right, so I want to clue you in to my next multi-million dollar concept. Trademark Dan Lovely, of course. Okay. I have this idea for an operation that I want to put together. I think especially in like cities and stuff like mm-hmm. that, it's going to be very popular. So you're aware now that we have all of these like pole dancing fitness places now, right? Sure, There's yeah. There's even one in Knoxville. Uh-huh. But I feel like they are not exactly maybe welcoming to the Christian community. So I want to make a Christian-inclusive pole dancing workout place. Okay. That specifically caters to that demographic. I mean, so by Christian-inclusive, do you mean the poles are like crucifixes? Or? No, it's just, oh. it's just aimed at bringing together people that are like-minded in their faith. Because I could get down with some crucifix poles, I guess. That's pretty cool. <laughs> but the idea to keep it super on brand and make it feel comfortable and right. familiar, see you at the pole. <laughs> we think. Yeah. Remember they did that thing in high school yeah, where yeah. Like, they prayed yeah. at the flagpole? This would work in the South. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yes, let's do that. Trademark Dan Lovely. Okay. Welcome, Dan and Lovely <laughs> listeners, to the greatest horror movie and uh, business scheming podcast. That's true. We're always business scheming. In the entire galaxy mm-hmm. and, and beyond. Why, it's Dad and Lovely here with your best friends. Why, it's I, Uncle Ben. And me, Hollywood Steve. And we're here this week to be talking about a very special Patreon pick, Session 9. Yay, yay. Session 9. Nueve, as my fellow <laughs> Colombianos may, might say. Yeah, that's how they'd say it, too. I, that's how we'd say Session it. Session Nueve. <laughs> Hombre. Hombre. <laughs> I'm from Colombia. <laughs> they say. Uh-huh. <laughs> but before we get into that shit, I got to bullshit with you for a while here, Let's Steve. See how you been doing this week, man? I've been doing good. What's been going on? Uh, some fun stuff, I'll tell you, for sure. We've been planning Thanksgiving. We're not... Uh, I'm going to see my family on Thanksgiving Day, and Emily always works on holidays because she gets paid more. Oh, okay. See, okay. So for people that are listening to the show the first week of December, yeah, we're recording this on Thanksgiving Eve. Yeah. So tomorrow I'm going to go see my family in yeah. Jefferson County. Okay. And, um, then Sunday we're going to have uh, Thanksgiving with, with her parents. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, so I'm making a lot of stuff, but I'm not going to be able to eat most of it. <laughs> that's what I was wondering about. Like, we talked last year, I think, about all the stuff that you like to make for Thanksgiving. Yeah, you yeah. love to go all out and kind of do yeah. everything. My favorite thing is the gravy, and I'm trying to figure out a way to make that keto. <laughs> a keto gravy? A keto gravy. I'm sure yeah. it's got to be out there somewhere. It's Somebody's a possibility, I'm yeah. sure, yeah. Hmm. So what exactly is it about a gravy that's not keto? I mean, it's meat drippings, fat. Well, that's you, keto. you gotta make a roux. You gotta use a lot of flour in that. Yeah, yeah. Huh? Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, sense. but like that's the thing for me is it's it, you got you have to make the roux. I've had gravies made with other things like cornstarch that are still good, but I feel like the roux is is so important and getting it exactly yeah. right, the right color, to get that gravy to just really pop. Hmm. I'm a huge fan of the gravy. Yeah, gotta yeah. have that stuff. Yeah, I guess that really when you get down to it, if you're kind of doing the, the keto type diet, Thanksgiving is just a big celebration of like refined yeah. flour and carbs. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. All the much good stuff there. too, yeah. Like, uh, I, I really love pumpkin pie. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, huge fan. Not gonna be having that. But I am still gonna have like uh, some some roasted uh, broccoli. Yeah, some, that's uh, what I'm bringing to Thanksgiving. Some green beans. Yeah, uh, yeah roasted broccoli and a ton of booze. One of my faves. 
Bring in Rosa Broccoli and a ton of boobs. A ton of boobs. Yeah, that's the idea, that's man. That's yeah. the most important things. So, I, yeah, I'll still be able to pig out. Are you stoked about a Thanksgiving? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I like the cooking. Man, you know you know, I'm not a Thanksgiver. I'm <laughs> just not true. a fan. I, I'm yeah. thankful for things, but dried-ass old boring turkey and fucking casseroles and stuff like that are Dried not things i turkey for. is not turkey's fault. It's everybody's cooking it wrong. You're all cooking it wrong. Yeah. Stop cooking a full Spatch turkey. Spatchcock it, motherfucker. Spatchcock it. Also, make different dishes with the turkey. Yeah, right? You, I mean... Make a turkey curry if you want. Once you've already cut it up, yeah. Yeah. Start doing whatever you want with it. Yeah, no doubt, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm over it. I think just the, the visual presentation of having that whole bird on the table... Which mm. the minute that you start carving into it is ruined anyway. Yeah, it's it's already like over dry by the time. Yeah. If, if it's the full turkey, yep. it's already dry by the time you take it out. Well, most of the time too, whenever I go, you know, and have a Thanksgiving meal at anybody's anybody's place, it's like, yeah, they pull that whole turkey out of the oven, and everybody oozes and ahs, yeah. and then they go ahead and slice up the light meat, the dark meat, and all that stuff yeah. anyway. So the visual is not even that important. Yeah. What's the point? Yeah, so cut that thing up. It'll cook yeah, better anyway. It man. will, yeah. And dry brine it. That's my advice. You know what? We did a little Friendsgiving shenanigan mm-hmm. over with uh, with Josh and Brooke last week. Oh, yeah. And Josh had never done uh, like a turkey or anything like that before. Uh-huh. He did a three-day dry brine. Yep. And also put like lemons and onions and all kinds of yeah, shit inside yeah. of the turkey. Mm-hmm. It was actually really moister good. than an oyster. Yep, super moist, yeah. and it's like flavorful because the thing is that you're you're cooking it too long in the oven, and all of that moisture is just dripping out. All that flavor is yeah. just leaving the turkey, and then it's just dry and bland. So fucking yeah. boring. Well, that's the thing, you do a turkey breast is like damn, they're so eight thick. inches thick. Yeah. Like, however much seasoning and shit you put on the outside of that bird, it is not mm-hmm. getting yeah, to that bone exactly. side of that breast. Like, uh-huh. it's just a dry, tasteless turkey, yeah. you know? Which, of course, is where gravy comes in. Yeah. Because you kind of have to have it. Yeah, you do. And, the, yeah, those drippings, they really make the gravy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that we're doing our kind of usual scenario. We're seeing my wife's family for lunch, my family for dinner. Yeah. Just be boozing and stuff like that all day, and then we got a busy weekend after that. We don't we don't do fucking Black Friday, no, or anything like that. Mm, but stay I've got away, like, I say. Fuck no, I've got a band rehearsal and then a show, a skate banger show Saturday and stuff. So it's going to be a pretty action packed. That's awesome. Yeah, weekend following Thanksgiving, and I just I can't fucking believe it's already like the Christmas yeah, season. That's blowing my mind. Fast. I think part of it too is just because the weather in Tennessee has been so fucked. Yeah, it's been all over the place. Yeah, like Halloween. Leading up to Halloween, felt like summer, mm-hmm. and then like right after Halloween into the Thanksgiving like season, it's been fucking freezing. Yeah. yeah, it felt like Christmas. Yeah, but then it was like sixty something today. Yeah, it's pretty nice. I'm all puzzled up. Yep, I'm all kinds of puzzled <laughs> up about it. So yeah, I don't know. I just don't feel I don't feel quite ready for for Christmas yet. But one really cool thing that that Kate and I are, are probably going to do this year, because you know we didn't really get to do Halloween this year because of the uh-huh. sale of our house and right, stuff like yeah. that. We're kind of thinking about doing like a Halloween Christmas and doing like yeah. a gothic. That's awesome. Like evil Christmas tree and stuff. Yes, yes, yes. I and think that's fucking cool. You watch you watch uh, some some Halloween horror movies. There you go. Yeah. Watch. Uh, I'd recommend there's some Christmas specials that are actually like horror oriented. Mm, okay. the Venture, there's a Venture Brothers one that is really good, I think. Excellent. Yeah, I like to watch it all the time around this time in between Halloween and Christmas because it's a Halloween special but then Santa Claus is in it. 
and there's like a Christmas message at the end, and it's really funny. Well, that sounds like it yeah. doesn't make a ton of sense, but I love it. Yeah, it's great. Fantastic, <laughs> man. Yeah, it should be a good time. Um, I, I just wish the food was different. Like, I just don't get that stoked yeah. about the usual Thanksgiving fare. I, I, I've been saying it for years. Mm. The tradition should change. Mm-hmm. Everybody should bring a food which makes them thankful. Mm. You know? Maybe a curry makes you thankful. I brought a vegetable corn at a Thanksgiving last year. Yeah, that made great. me quite thankful. And you know what was really great? Taking some of that dry ass, boring turkey, mix it up in a little bit of korma. <laughs> you have yourself a good time. Yeah, I bet you would. Yeah, I think the tradition needs to evolve a little bit. You know? Yeah, I, I do think turkey works well with some spice too. Mm-hmm. So You're damn right. Toss that, and yeah, that's a good idea. Curry. I think I'd like to toss a beer into a glass. Me too. And then toss that into my face. Right. And then from there, you know, it would go on to (laughs) wherever it goes. Wherever it goes, I guess. Wherever the beer goes. Part of it ends up in the liver. Yeah. So that's... A lot of it ends up in the commode. the fun part, I think. Yeah. So we got ourselves a round two of some traveling beers. Uh Uh-huh. From our friends Jason and Miles. Miles From the... And this is this is from Modern Times, which is, I believe, a San Diego brewery. Oh no, Portland. Portland. Okay. Yeah. So I've, I've had some Modern Times before. You were saying you don't think you've ever had a I Modern Times. I don't think Times that brewery. I have had any of their stuff. Yeah. They're I I've always enjoyed them, and this is a Star Projector Tiki Edition. And hearing all that makes me think this is going to be fruity. Holy cow. Smell that thing. That smells like a freaking pineapple just got yeah. cut open. Yep. Oh, I'm so stoked That's about great. this. I'm, I'm thinking this is probably going to be a, yeah, like a fruity, funky IPA oh. scenario. It's a liquid gold. Got some color to it. Yeah. Though. It's a little reddish gold, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm excited about this because it smells fan-fucking-tastic. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, that last one that got they out of the us. can, it's, it's strong. Yeah. It's a strong, like, fruity smell. That last one that they sent us, that booberry one that we had on oh, the Twilight episode, yeah. that was really good, <laughs> man. It was really, really good. Oh, God, this is a 10 percenter. Holy shit. Oh, wow. How's that? Okay, so it's it's a, it's a got a little sour to it. Oh. Mm-hmm. It's like a pineapple sour kind of yeah. thing. What else am I tasting in there? There's something there that even has like a little bit of that... Like tiki drink, like orgiat or um, yeah, like grenadine kind of kind of yeah. flavor mm-hmm. to it or something. Wow, it tastes like a tiki drink as a beer. That's really That's good. That's fucking awesome. You can taste some coconut and stuff in there too. I, I think. said more on the can about yeah, what me this too. Is, it's a really yeah, cool looking great. can. Damn guys, I think that they really like figured our taste palette out pretty yeah. damn well. <laughs> they must have known exactly what we would like because these. These have really nailed it. Yeah. The sourness is very pleasing, too. It's mm-hmm. not overbearing at all. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that. And it is a reasonably sweet beer. I would not guess that was 10%. It's almost like a, a shandy made with yeah. like a, a, a less sweet lemonade. Yeah, or like a like pineapple juice with shandy. A, yeah, a pineapple juice. Yeah. yeah. And an extremely strong beer. Yes. You really can't <laughs> tell that's 10%. No. I think there's something about like really strong sours that just confuse the palate. Yeah. Because I've had some of those sours at like, um, you know, like the Funkatorium and stuff like that. That'll mm-hmm. be, yeah, like this, like 10, 8, 9%. Yeah. And you just can't tell. I told you about that one that, that was down at Merchants of Beer this summer that was like that coconut oh, right. yes. sour that was like 14%. Mm-hmm. You really can't tell. I think there's something about the sour element that just yeah. blows the alcohol taste out of your mouth. 
Yeah, I yeah, I think that's why a lot of people combine lime with cheap yeah, bad beer because yeah. or fucking vodka or whatever. Yeah, it really yeah, it just, the yeah, it just cuts the booze. Huh? That's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. There, you gonna be watching some football on yes. Thanksgiving? Yeah, I will. Uh huh. Yeah, the Ole Miss Mississippi State game. I'm interested in that, even though neither team is is very good. That's always a good game. You've been watching anything else good this week? Yeah, I've been watching The Office, and yeah, still going with it, huh? Uh huh. I'll I'll go ahead and say it is a good show. It's a okay, really good so show. you're coming around uh-huh. to it. Yep. I know it's the last really time we good. talked, we were both kind of like, yeah, but Parks and Rec is better. You weren't yeah. really loving it. Yeah, I I think I'm sorry. There's a heart to it after a while. I've heard that from like, multiple people. Yeah, yeah, where that the same connection you get from Parks and Rec is kind of there. I still think Parks and Rec is lighter and funnier and happier, but uh, it's good. It's enjoyable. Right on, man. Yep. One of these days, I'll get around to it, man. That's, it's kind of an overwhelming task because there's so many yeah. fucking seasons of it and stuff. Yes. And, you know? and like they were the, you know, 22 episode seasons mostly. So yeah, dude. really long. Yeah, that's a fuck ton of episodes <laughs> to watch. Damn. Well, I'm glad you're enjoying it, man. Seeing yeah, anything it's else, really fun. Anything else good? What what worked for you? Um. Well, on Friday night. It was streaming chat, streaming huh? chat. Yes. And we watched Thanks Killing, which is one of the best bad horror movies because yeah. it's only an hour and six minutes long. That's not even technically a movie. Yeah. It's like and a back to school special. Everybody seems to be in on the joke and it never takes itself too seriously. And the animation parts are legit pretty cool. Yeah. It is just a silly fucking stupid yeah, movie. It's so know? stupid. Yeah, like when he cuts off her dad's face and is wearing yeah. her dad's face and she's just talking, but she's like still leaning down to talk to him because he's a turkey. <laughs> he's a turkey. Yeah. yeah. Wearing a human face. <laughs> yeah, it's cartoonish. It's, it's a funny movie. Yeah, that's one of those that they knew exactly what to yeah. do with that subject matter. Okay, yeah. so that was a crowd pleaser for sure. It was. Yeah, it was real fun. It was a good one to open up on. And then we did, um, and we don't. We normally do horror, but we just for fun. We did the Roger Corman Fantastic Four from 1994. Well, if we kind of talked about that, I think maybe momentarily on the Blade episode. Yeah, yeah, where like, uh, it, it was just made to keep the rights to the Fantastic Four, so they had to do something with the property to in order to maintain the rights. I've never seen it. I don't know anything about it. Okay, so it was it was made it was never supposed to be seen really. And none of the actors are anybody you would know. Okay. Here's what I'll tell you. The thing costume I think it looks pretty good. Okay. Considering cool. the low budget. Is that just a guy covered in gravel? Yeah. All right yeah. then. That um, works. the face the face moves well. It it's fine. Okay. Cool. They have Mole Man and, and like, you know, the the mole people. That's the villain they went for. No, no, no. They also have Doom. Oh. So they have like a cool sort of them versus Mole Man. And then it leads into a fight with Doom later, which is exactly what I would kind of want from a Fantastic Four movie. And they just went straight with it. You know how the... Fantastic Four movies in the early 2000s, they changed up their origin mm-hmm. uh, right. just for some weird reason. Yeah. And then they kind of changed it weirdly again in that remake. And this one just did it straightforward. Okay. So it was like, oh, okay. And like watching it, it was like, it really wasn't, it's not poorly acted. 
it, it's cheap. It looks cheap. It's a Roger Corman movie. Yeah. And it was supposed to be cheap. That's why they got Roger Corman. Yeah. Because they knew he could come in and make something cheap and get it done and it would be fine. So it it's okay-ish. Okay. I mean, I don't Ish. recommend yeah. watching it, but it might be the best Fantastic Four movie that's been made. Jesus. Which is not a statement <laughs> of how good this is. It's a statement on yeah, how bad the, how others, bad the are. others are. Damn, dude. But it was it's it's fun. And the Doom in it is exactly what you would want from Doom. It was fun. Right on, man. Yeah. That works out pretty damn well. You know, I've actually had a little bit of time to to watch myself a couple of things this week. It's been great. What is what is what is it has been? What it has been <laughs> is you and, caught me right as I was yeah. swallowing a drink. <laughs> it's been a Mandalorian up in this household. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Holy moly! As uh, as we record this, the the third episode had just come out. Okay, we were kind of waiting to get a little backlog. Mm-hmm. That way, we're not doing the thing where we're you know just waiting by the TV every Friday to watch the right. new episode. Yeah, that's I hate that. Yeah, like getting caught up on an episodic show kind of yeah. sucks. I've been waiting on Castle Rock season two to right. be over. That's Same like, deal. I think the second season of December is the last episode. Got it. So with this, we were like, let's wait a few episodes and we'll start it. So we waited until there were three episodes in. We watched the first episode. And we were like, holy shit. Let's do the next one. Right. And then after that was over, it was like, well, it's kind of time to go to bed, but... Might as well watch that next one. Then might as well watch that next one. It's uh-huh. like a 33-minute show, 30-minute right. show, something like that. Dude, It's it's been fucking awesome. Cool. I can't lie. Like, I I was I really mean, baby critical. Baby Yoda looks adorable as shit. Oh, dude. I totally want myself a Baby Yoda. Mm-hmm. Holy cow. Every time he comes on screen, I just melt. Yeah. I just fucking fall, fall to pieces for that little feller. But it's so accurate in capturing the space western thing that Star Wars set out to do. Mm-hmm. It's got very much the same kind of visual of, you know, like Rogue One or something like that, where they're capturing that retro future utilitarian. Yeah. And everything's dirty and fucking right. squared off looking. Like it's not all sleek and futuristic. Yeah. It has been fantastic. I okay. love it. And I was really critical of Last Jedi. I hated it. I wasn't all that stoked about The Mandalorian coming out. But I started hearing a lot of good things, watched it. It's great. Okay. I can't wait to watch more of it. So I think that you dig it. I can't yeah, imagine you I'm not I'm interested it. in it. Yeah. Yeah. So we watched that. Uh, I also sat down the other night. We watched The Dark Crystal, the original okay. movie. The OG. Yeah. Okay. Because I've been really wanting to watch the series. Because I've heard that Dark Crystal series is just like the movie only times 10, you know? Right. And, uh, man, it had been a long time since I watched The Dark Crystal. It is a crazy, crazy fucking weird, dark movie. Yeah, it is. That's one of those, dude, a lot of those, like, 80s fantasy movies that were marketed to kids. It's just beyond kids, Oh, dude. I mean, they they had a lot of faith in what kids could watch and process and I remember seeing it as a kid and having, like, a connection to it from that but then seeing it as an adult and being like what the fuck is this movie yeah 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 it's i mean pretty I was, wild i mean it's it's a, a deep mythology so whenever i heard there was going to be a tv show it's like yeah okay that makes sense totally man yeah and i've heard great things yeah so I'll, I'll check it out dude just the the sets and the, the the puppets and the animatronics and the costumes and everything are just mm-hmm. unreal yeah it's unreal man yeah. It's the kind of thing that I feel like if somebody came to a big Hollywood exec with this story that was in the Dark Crystal today, I uh-huh. was like, I got this story about, yeah, you know, the wise ones and the Skeksis and the Gelflings and yada, yada, yada. Right. 
Yeah, I feel like the studio would be like, okay, so this is definitely going to be like a CG heavy movie, right? And then I feel like today if you're like, no, it's going to be like puppets and like animatronics and stuff. Uh, They'd uh, be like, no fucking way. Absolutely not. Yeah, it would take a long time. So much time, so So much much money, so many resources, dude. But man, the Henson Company, all that back in the day, just crushed the shit out of it. It looks phenomenal. It does. It looks really good. Yeah. And the thing that blew my mind about it is like, okay, it's one thing to have, yeah, you know, really believable, like I said, puppets and stuff. Those Skeksis are incredibly detailed. <laughs> they are. And they have a and lot gross of... looking. Oh, yeah. And they have like a lot of points of articulation and movement and stuff yeah. like that in them. But also, too, like the sets that they're on, it's not like they're just shooting this against a green screen or it's not like they were shooting it against a brick wall. Like the yeah. sets have so much depth to them. Right. They're Yeah. They're... They took some thought into every sort of nook and cranny to make yeah. it look authentic and, totally. and like this world they were trying to create. Yeah, yeah. man. It's it's incredible. I, I don't even I can't even fathom how many like man hours of work went into creating those sets <laughs> I costumes can't on the jazz. And then to be operating the puppets and to be like, Did that look real? Like Yeah. Cause like it would be real hard to capture exactly what you want with puppets. I gotta imagine they did all the drugs while they were making that shit. Yeah, it's probably. so fucking far out, man. Yeah. If I found out that Jim Henson like never smoked pot in his life, I'd be like, that's that's unbelievable. <laughs> you know? <laughs> What's crazy though too though is like watching that and watching The Mandalorian with with Baby Yoda and stuff. Yeah. I'll tell you this, going from something that is all, you know, like I said, puppeteering and all that jazz to the Mandalorian where we got little baby Yoda who is a CG creature, right? Yeah. They did something with little baby Yoda that is crazy to me, but it makes so much sense. Okay. And you'll understand when you see it. So I assume he's 100% CGI. I might be wrong. Maybe there is some puppeteering going I mean, on It looks right there. like it. It looks CGI. It looks CGI. But the thing about it is the way they've like made him move... Uh-huh. Like move his little head and his little arms around, looks like what we're used to seeing as an animatronic on screen. Huh. So they didn't animate him as a humanoid, you know, fully articulate, like mobile creature, like make him look huh. lifelike. It's like they said, make him look like a puppet, which is, it sounds crazy when I say it, but when you see it on screen and you see this, you know, humanoid character and this little tiny green baby guy mm-hmm. that looks like a robot or a puppet. Even though you know it's animated, you go, that looks right. Huh. Like, he's got the kind of, like, limited motion and, like, kind of jerkiness that an animatronic has. Okay. But it's CGI. Okay. It's crazy. And I think you'll understand it whenever you see it. I'll I'll be looking for it. Yeah. Because now I want to know what that means. Yeah, dude. Right? (laughs) You'll you'll understand it when you see it, though. Okay. Because you'll look at it and be like, that moves like a puppet, but I know it's CGI. (laughs) Which is cool. It's one of those things that lets you know that, you know... Just just like every other art form or media in the world where it's like once it becomes obsolete, the things that made it kind of crappy become the thing that you like about it. Mm. I mean, such as like how there's all this like vaporwave synth music and stuff like that now. Mm. These are like outdated ass synthesizers and stuff yeah. that are just trying to sound like other instruments. They're obsolete now, Yeah, but now their character makes them... Um, endearing to us. Eight bit, yeah. eight bit art, pixel art, any of that yeah, stuff. It's, yeah, it's all about associations. And it's all about association. And, yeah. yeah, exactly. So when I see CGI Baby Yoda looking like a puppet, 
it totally works for me. Is it, is it possible that it is a, a hand that just has the ping pong balls on it so that they can then overlay the animation? So I don't it know. is like a puppet, it could but be. not a detailed puppet at all. Right. I mean, it very well could be. It could be one of those Land Before Time bath toys. Uh, <laughs> Remember those? From like, yes. Was it Pizza Hut? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> they, they had a very pleasant plastic smell to they them. They did. Yeah. They absolutely did. Until you played with them in the bath too much and they got moldy. Yeah, and they were gross. Yeah. yeah. That was I always... A, I had a little foot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had Sarah, the Triceratops. Mm-hmm. Man alive, did any fucking movie break your heart as much as that shit when you were a kid? Because that movie wrecked me. Uh, I I think that came out... Yeah, I, I think that was probably before I saw Old Yeller. Okay. So, yeah. Land Before Time, probably the most devastating. Yeah, it's a crusher. And then, yeah, Old Yeller, I was like, yeah, well, fuck... I mean, yeah, fuck that dog, because... Remember what happened... And Land Before Time Yo, I've the never, saddest I've, thing I've ever. I've never seen Old Yeller. Dude, don't. <laughs> Just don't. Just don't. Like, I know what happened. I don't really understand what it was we were supposed to get from Old Yeller. I know, right? <laughs> like, what are you supposed to learn from that? <laughs> Life fucking sucks sometimes. I guess that's the yeah. idea, man. I guess that's sometimes. the idea. Get ready, kid. Buckle up. Jesus. Yeah. Welcome to the real world, jackass. That and where the red fern grows. We're both just like, fuck you and Fox and the Hound. I never saw there red fern grows either. There was a fuck you period of time for kids. Yeah. Just like, Dude, all the classic Disney's are fuck you. These Bambi. cute things want, uh, that you want to be happy yeah. and be friends together something's gonna die well fucking bambi was a gigantic fuck you kid yeah. hey kid sometimes your mom dies sometimes your mom fucking dies yeah. kid deal with it because fuck you because fuck you i think they really just hated <laughs> kids back in the day i think know? so yeah. i think i think this is before they figured out like oh children are there to sell stuff to right because back then it was like post-industrial revolution. Yeah. It was like, children, they're not farmhands anymore. They're just miscreants. Right. Fuck these little kids. And it's like, oh, they got idle time. And they want things. And they're annoying. And parents want them to shut up. They'll buy them things to make them less annoying if we sell them to them. <laughs> we'll make our commercials very annoying so it sticks <laughs> out. Exactly. That was like all of the 50s, I would imagine. Yeah. yeah. I think that's pretty much how it works. So before they figured out the use for kids, which is selling them stuff, uh-huh. they are just like, yeah, Fuck kids. Fuck kids. That's the idea, I think. Like that dog, it's gonna die. Well, you know, one that I watched with a dog that didn't die. Oh, good. Yeah, really. I woke up the other morning, and I got out of bed, and Kate was already up before me. She was having some breakfast, and she was watching a Goofy on the TV, and I said, what Goofy cartoon is this? She hit pause and said, have you never seen a Goofy movie? You haven't seen a Goofy movie? I had never seen no Goofy movie. Oh, okay. Wait, did you not... Watch the Goofy Goof Troop. I wasn't a child ever. Oh, I was born an adult. Wow, Goof Troop. We'll always stick like, together. I feel like some kids that I knew when I was that a was young so adult good. maybe watched that. They had a cat named Waffles. Waffles. Did yeah. you know? Did you know when I was a kid, I denied ever being a baby? Did I tell you that? <laughs> no. Yeah, this I've, is like, the best. Yeah, Go like, ahead. even when I was like a I fucking like five this. and six year old, like a little kid. <laughs> before that, even when I was like three and four years old, uh-huh. and like mom would get out the fo- photo albums and stuff like that, and it'd be like <laughs> yeah. a picture of like her holding me as a baby, and be like, "That's you." I'd be like, "That's not me." Yeah, that wasn't me. Right. I was wasn't me. I would tell my mom I was never a baby. Uh huh. That wasn't me. I'd remember it if I was a baby. I've always been me, a kid. 
Wow. So, yeah, I maintain it. Okay. Nobody's proven me wrong yet. Wow. Because all so babies look the same. that explains a lot, though, about how you thought that maybe your parents, like... I thought it was adopted yeah, and stuff. Like yeah, like they weren't your parents. Like, yeah. you were an alien. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Somebody so like, proved me wrong, y'all. Like, you, you at some point ate the human Ben Eller and, like, replaced... It. That might be it. And you, that was probably the day that you were like, I was never a baby. <laughs> it is me. It is I, the fully formed. <laughs> yes. Being a lure. Hand sure. me a guitar. <laughs> Let's get to work. <laughs> so because I was a child, I'd never seen a Goofy movie. Okay. It was fun. Yeah, it is fun. Although, really, the the whole, like character of goofy uh-huh. and i guess max and all those yeah. others it really does confuse me very much because i guess they're supposed to be dogs, dogs yeah but they don't have tails right and they have like bald faces and they have a pet cat that is very strange yes and they also like encounter some possums mm-hmm. in the movies that are non-sentient right i think that they're like the result <laughs> of some really strange like dr moreau scenario <laughs> yeah that's pretty because like what kind what type of dog would they be i don't know also do they do anything that acts like a dog at all like there's nothing doggy no. about they don't bark i they mean don't they anything. have i mean goofy's got floppy ears floppy ears but not huh it's really strange to me they don't share any huh yeah it gets weirder the more you think about it. Also, there's at some point in the movie, oh, uh, what is it that they say? They they say something in the movie that like references the Bible, like thank thank God or like um huh fuck what is it that they do? Maybe it's like a reference to some Christmas song or something okay. like that. I can't remember what it is, but there is some specific like Jesus reference in the movie, which makes me wonder. It's like. Is, did they have like dog Jesus or did like, was it regular human Jesus? And then Dr. Moreau created them. And I don't know. It's all very weird to me. Was it Dr. Moreau Jesus? Dr. Moreau Jesus. Maybe it could be that. Maybe he like cloned himself. Oh. You know, like how Jesus and God are the same thing or whatever. Right. So Dr. Moreau cloned himself and then like cloned his intelligence to be it. the holy spirit i back it 100 and then boom that's your that's your uh dr moreau yeah <laughs> triumvirate and that's how that works pretty sure that's it <laughs> word man yeah and that's how the goofy people came along and there you go and they were uh, uh they were blessed by it's his really blood. grossing me out the more i think yeah because it it's like, it really strange fast they uh, they're because Goofy looks like a dog and Max looks like a dog, but then their neighbors don't look anything like dogs. No, but they're supposed to be dogs. <sighs> yeah, it's strange. Yeah, I mean, but the nightmares. movie was fun. Yeah, it's a fun movie. Slightly nightmarish, <laughs> but fun. You know, it is. It's a fun movie. And the other thing that I got to watch this week was, of course, Session. Nine. Yeah. Which is the first time that I had watched this flick. A fellow from Colombia says that that is pronounced Session Nueve. Session Nueve, it is called. Uh-huh. That's right. And it was uh 
interesting, and I look forward to getting into it. But you know, before we get into the movie review, we always stop in at the old preview palace. Welcome to the preview palace. But the surprise is that we don't have a preview palace this yeah, week. So yeah. say goodbye to the preview palace. No, but stay in the preview palace. Redirecting to the preview palace. We so what we did while we were at the bar setting up before the show is we went on our Facebook group page and our Discord server, which you guys can join, yeah. interact with us and other dead Yeah, movies. the link to Discord. I, I mean, uh, you can email us, de- deadandlovelypod at gmail.com if you want it. I've posted it a trillion times on all sorts of social media. One trillion. Yeah. That is a lot of times. So it's, it's pretty easy to find. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just basically asked you guys to submit some FAQ style questions that we can answer for y'all here as kind of the intro portion of the show. This is one of those things I'd like to do more often because it's just fun and random and you guys get to hear what you want on the show. And uh, sometimes it's kind of hard to come up with a themed preview palace for, for all these movies without overlapping stuff we've done in the past. So I'd like to do some more of these and uh, get creative with this shit. So we're going to kick it off here with a couple of questions from y'all. Yeah. Give you some answers for what's been uh, uh, haunting your minds that you want to know about me and Steve. Okay. Um, this one I feel like is maybe more directed at you. Okay. Have you gotten recognized on the street? Oh, today? I know you yeah, have. all the time. Yeah. Yeah, constantly. Uh, do you have a favorite story of somebody recognizing you on the street? Ooh. You know, honestly, like, one of one of my favorite things that's happened is, like, you know, people recognize me from my YouTube channel and stuff. Yeah. If you've never listened to the show, I have a big YouTube following and everything like that for my guitar shit that I do. Yeah. So I'm kind of used to people, you know, kind of be like, oh, I suck at guitar or whatever. Right. And that's great. I love I love meeting people that watch the, the channel and stuff, and I appreciate it more than everybody even knows. But uh, I think a year or two, I was at NAM, which is essentially like the G3. Yeah. Um, or sorry, E3. E3, right. Conference for video games. That's what NAM is for guitars. musicians and guitars. And, right. Yeah, just musicians of all kinds. Oh, yeah. It's a huge thing in the Anaheim Convention Center. They're in like, here, here's the, you scream into this. Exactly. Thing, and yeah. you, the, the daddy notes. Play boom, this boom, with, boom, boom, boom. with this pick. Yep. They do. Yep. And it's it's just a big music fuck fest, basically. Okay. So I'm really used to walking around <laughs> that thing and, and meeting people that are fans of the channel and, yeah. and the stuff I do there. But I ran into uh, a, a fellow a fellow deadite, a dead and lovelyite out there that was oh, like, really? yo, I love your podcast. Seriously? Yeah. Like, I, 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 I'm so horrible with names. I wish I could remember what your name was. I know you, you're probably listening right now, and I feel like a jackass. I cannot remember your name. <laughs> I meet a lot of people. That is true. But the fact that I was like in the middle of the epicenter of the biggest music fuckfest on right. earth, and this guy leads with... Hey man, I love your podcast. Yeah, that's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah, so that's honestly um, one of my favorites. That and I would say another huge favorite is that this one time I was coming back from some kind of traveling music scenario. I can't remember what it was. Probably a cruise gig or something like that. I was in the Atlanta airport and I was waiting in line to board the plane, and the lady that was in front of me like turns around and looks at me, and she goes, "I know you from somewhere." Keep mm-hmm. this is in Atlanta. Okay. And I'm like, uh, do you watch guitar videos on YouTube? And she's like, no, it's not that. And she turns <laughs> back around. And she's like, wait a minute. You're that meth guy on that commercial in Tennessee. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, as a matter of fact, that is, that is you. Yeah. I am. Uh, I was on, I was on a state sponsored 
meth uh, prevention awareness commercial in Tennessee like four or five years ago. Not because of your meth use. Yeah. But, but because of your ability to mimic the look of a meth head. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> so, yeah, getting recognized as meth guy is also pretty That's fucking awesome. fun. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, that came to us from, I'm going to say, Jonas Ninivara. I, like I believe that is probably a Finnish name. Not positive it. on that, though. Thanks for the question. Yeah. So, let's see. Daniel Voss asks, do you know the Muffin Man? The Muffin Man that lives on Drury Lane? Yeah, that's the one. Oh, the Muffin Man. Yes, I know him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So, here's a good one. Favorite horror movie decade? Favorite horror movie decade? Ooh. Yeah, yeah that is kind of tough. Yeah. What What is your first instinct? My first instinct is the most recent one because I, I think So many of my favorites come from right yeah. there, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, second for me would probably be the 80s but that's just because of nostalgia Uh, there aren't as many great movies from the 80s as say there are from the 70s or the more recent period yeah I know what you mean my my gut instinct at first was to say 80s yeah because I get my Freddy's I get my Jason's yeah yeah, and those are awesome to me because I have like the Shining was released in the 80s that's true 1980 Uh, as was uh, Sleepaway Camp one of our faves one of our faves yeah Yeah. so there's a lot of my favorite flicks that come from that era and there's just so much just good just fucking silly fun yeah shit and I love slashers and all that jazz yeah slashers are great my first guess is to say the 80s but at the same time it's like when I think about the past decade and I'm thinking about so many of our favorite flicks like The Witch and yeah uh, uh, hereditary. Yeah, and it, that's the thing is, even I can think about the big titles, but like when I also think about, well, what about small movies? You know, because like things like uh, The Burning or Sleepaway Camp are a little more obscure, and and we love them, but they're also like a lot of terrible, terrible '80s movies, like uh cheerleader camp or whatever yeah like, yeah there's some garbage. stuff like that they're, yeah. they're they're pretty fucking bad but when you watch a lot of the smaller independent movies from the more recent period there's they're also really fucking good yeah yeah like it follows and stuff yeah like, that. like there's been some really great stuff out there, there has i mean it's like stuff ty west has done like yeah, house dude. of the devil that was Fuck, that was low yeah. budget and is is awesome. That was 2009, right? So it's been in the past 10 years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know, man. It, uh, yeah, I the think, 80s, I think the the 80s, 80s for recent. nostalgia yeah. or the more recent stuff for quality. really like high quality. Yeah, I think I'll answer yeah. the same way, man. Good question. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Okay, favorite thing to cook from scratch? Oh, man. <laughs> Ooh, let me let me ponder. What's okay, the first thing for me, it's for ramen. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, I, and I like I like it to make it like you know straight up from scratch, meaning from carcass and and Boons. everything all the way down to just clear, delicious looking ramen. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Gosh, that's hard for me to say. Like my, my first thing that I wanted to say is like like a like a fried rice, just because I love making fried rice oh, yeah. of, of any kind. Fried rice is great. But man, there's so many to choose from. I love probably making it like a Thai noodle. Oh yeah, probably about mm-hmm. the most. You know, Fun. whether it be a, like a patsy oo or like a drunken noodle or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, I love making that kind of stuff. That's something that I never, never get tired of doing. 
So, Letitia McDade. Letitia, asks, what's up? Asks, uh, movie-related, best entourage horror movies. Entourage horror entourage movies? Entourage horror movies. I don't know the definition of that. Best what would entourage. That be? I mean, is that, like, like the best, like, group of people? Like, the, the dream warriors in a movie? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I mean, yeah. that's quite a gang in that. Yeah. I mean, they're the kids in the faculty. I still haven't, you seen, haven't that. seen that one. Yeah, I haven't That's seen what we that need one, to cover. I love the gang in Dust Till Dawn. Oh, yeah. They're great. Yeah, yeah. Preacher Man and, uh-huh. his, and his kids and his ad- adopted yeah. uh, and I Asian get, kid. And, and you got the, the, the criminals. Well, good gonna, entourage. I was going to say the Lost Boys because, like, the Lost Boys, even though they're the bad vampires that are all. Like, I think they're kind of the draw of the movie. Mm-hmm. So it is kind of like an entourage movie. For uh, what we do in the, the shadows, movie. same way, man. Yeah, there what you we go. Do in the shadows. Yeah. That's probably the best yeah. gang of characters in a movie. That's for sure yeah. one of the absolute best. If that's what the question was about. Yeah, if, that, yeah, if that's what you meant by best entourage. <laughs> I think that's probably the that's absolute probably the best, for sure. <laughs> so Ryan Black asks, favorite haunting movies? Okay, and movies of the haunted me, house kind of thing. Yeah, for me, like one of the first that comes to mind is I, I really like I I really do like the Paranormal Activity series. Yeah, I think I discounted it at first as just like found footage and not really that good or like gripping, but I think it I think like it because it it's not it's not only just found footage, but it's like. It's really like home video. They really go for home video, especially in like the first few where it's just like we're taping this because weird stuff is happening in our house. Yeah. Whereas like, you know, Blair Witch is cool, but it's like, you know, they're they're setting out to make a movie. So it, it looks a little nicer, even though most of the time it's shaky and not not fun to watch. Yeah. But like, I guess it is like to paranormal activities credit is that it's usually not shaky because it's like just set up on a tripod camera yeah Yeah. they're trying to figure out what the fuck's going on in this house yeah okay yeah so i think that adds to some authenticity and does make it like a lot more close so i i think that's one of my favorite yeah yeah you know i think probably my favorite that falls into that realm of like haunted house kind of movies dude i love the others the others is great i think that's a really fucking cool movie that's one of those ones that like I kind of got into before I really got into horror movies. Yeah, I like that movie and yeah, because that that one is that one is one that I think had a lot of crossover appeal outside yeah, of the horror audience. Yeah, you know, big movie stars and yeah. Nicole Kidman yeah. shit in there. And you know, now that I've really like gotten super entrenched in horror and stuff, I keep going back to that movie, waiting for it to be like, oh no, this is shit. No, this is it's just a still pop, good pop culture horror movie. Yeah, it's really haunting. It's really good. Perfect atmosphere to it with the like all the fog. Yeah, man. Yeah. Great and soundtrack, gorgeous looking. There, yeah, it looks great. I think I'm probably gonna say that's. I think that's my favorite. Yeah, I would say. I mean, other haunting movies. The, in, the innkeepers is really. The innkeepers cool. is fun. Yeah, it's a cool movie. I like that one. Oh, well, and of course, fucking Poltergeist. Oh yeah, Poltergeist. Yeah, that's absolutely one. one of the all-time heavyweight yeah. champs. Love that. Yeah. Movie. All right, I'm gonna go back to Jonas because he gave us a whole bunch of good ones. He's a wealth of goodies. Yeah, and this one I like a lot. All-time top five beers oh fuck that one's a tough one for me that is a tough 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 i can't and i can't put them in order for sure because i I can already name a couple 
One of which is... Gosh, I, I have to pick a specific Lagunitas. And I, at first I thought I That's had hard. it. That's hard, yeah. And then I realized I might not. Hmm. I would probably... Uh, again, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. And if I'm putting together the top five... It's going to be extremely hard to choose, but I'm going to go with like a varied yeah. amount of beers. It'd probably yeah. be easy for me just to like rip off like five different IPAs or whatever. Yeah. I'm kind of looking at this as like you can only drink five beers from now mm-hmm. on. Yeah. I'm trying to think of what those would be. I would probably say like a Lagunitas Maximus would be on my list. Okay. Yeah. That's a good one. It's an absolutely fucking delicious beer that's strong, but mm-hmm. at the same time, like you can, you can have that food. Yeah. It's I- good. I would say for me, I would go with the brown sugar. Yeah. I love that so it's, much. It's hard to beat, It's man. so good. That stuff is fucking yeah. awesome. For like a sour kind of deal, mm-hmm. I seriously might go with Lagunitas Dark Swan. It's <laughs> so <yeah>. fucking good. <laughs> it's We've so good. a lot of good sours. Th- I mean, that, th- this is one of this them, This one is, is really good. Every time I take a sip of this star projector, yeah. I'm just blown away. God damn. Uh, yeah, but I don't that, have like a history with this. Like I'm not drinking swan, a million of these. Though, yeah, it is, it's magical. It does have a whole lot of greatness to it. Yeah. Let's see. I don't know. Um I would put I would put burial surf wax for sure. Is that on there for you? That okay. I mean burial surf wax might be my all time favorite beer, period. That beer is just fucking okay. insane. I absolutely love that beer. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's three for me. That is. I the pretentious grandma's pasties mm-hmm. that oh I don't God. know if they'll ever replicate. I hope they do because... Seems like they never repeat anything yeah, over there. But it it was so like... It had the, the chocolate and raspberry elements to it, but like it was like it was buttery as yeah, well and it yeah. kind of the flavor just stuck around it had a real like pastry yes. taste about it yeah i i the next day all i could think about was that flavor and there have been very few beers that have done that for me so no that, that's definite yeah for that's me, very one of my favorites the right there there's some beers that my friend eric hill from Blue Room Recording Studios uh-huh. out in California. Uh, he's, he sends me some beers from the West Coast every now and then. Yeah. And every time that I have them, I'm just like, this is just leaps and bounds better than anything I've ever had. Oh, yeah? Yeah. There's okay. there's so many that he has sent me. That yeah. I mean, yeah, the West Coast. Unreal. Tons and tons of breweries. Yeah, dude. I, mm. I'm talking about like, okay, the level of beers that he sent me, like probably the worst beer he's ever sent me yeah. is like Pliny the Elder. Seriously? That's the worst That's one. That's the worst. Yeah. Okay. And it's still fucking awesome. Uh-huh. It's great. But in terms of like the quality of some of these beers that he sent me from some of these other companies out there, um, I'm drawing a blank on the names of some of the breweries and stuff. Once I figure them out, I'll post them on the Facebook or whatever. But good Lord, man. I mean, just of those West Coast beers, it's just kind of uh-huh. like, well, throw a rock in like the LA or like Anaheim area. Yeah. And you'll probably hit one of my favorite breweries. Okay. You know, so pretty much anything from the West Coast, period. <laughs> All right. Um well, since we're drinking a modern times, my favorite modern times and one of my favorite beers is the Modern Times Blazing World. What is that? Which is a hoppy dank amber beer. Ooh. It's it's got like some real body to it, but it's also got that nice hop flavor to it. 
and it's so drinkable, but it's also like super high percent. Like, Damn. It's like a 10% or something. No, yeah. I, actually, no, it's 6.8, it says. But it, it, it gets you drunk real quick, yeah. guys, as far as I remember. I remember having a couple of them just being like, whoa, I down those so quick because it, it's like just very drinkable very drinkable wow one of my faves that's okay. a great one that's mm-hmm. awesome man yep. you know and i think to vary up my lineup here i think the last one that i'm gonna list off for myself i'm yeah. gonna say a roquefort trappist 10 oh okay have you ever had that no it is absolutely the best belgian beer on earth as far as i'm concerned wow it comes in like a little tan bottle. It's like an eight ouncer, a ten uh-huh. ouncer maybe, and it's you know it's like seven or eight bucks or whatever. It's fucking insane. It is absolutely insane. And they do like a Trappist ten and like a you know what a twelve thirteen. They do like different number ones. Yeah. But the ten is out of this world. I've had West Vlederen twelve, which is like widely known around the world as like the greatest beer on earth. The uh-huh. West Vlederen. I've had that. I like the Roquefort Trappist ten better. Okay. I mean, it's it's a Belgian, so it's like, I think it's a, is it a triple or a quad? I think it's a triple, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. So it's like very, very boozy, uh-huh. very spicy, very sweet, but it is just like, man, every fucking flavor on earth is in that beer. It's insane. I gotta get some. I'm sure I can get some somewhere. We, we'll do yeah. it on the show sometime. I I would love that. <laughs> do you like uh, a lot of Belgian type beers? We've had a few, and yeah. I've enjoyed each of them. I thought so. Yeah, yeah we've done like Delirium and uh-huh. those yeah, kinds yeah. of things on here before. Yeah, I used to be just all about those. I used to love like Three Philosophers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But um, as I've gotten older, they just make me fall asleep. Mainly because they usually <laughs> just come in like big bomber bottles, right? You know? Yeah. And Kate hates those beers, so it's always just me just it's drinking just them. It's just you yeah. drinking the whole thing. Yeah, exactly. And you drink a bomber of any of those, like, you drink, yeah, you or drink a bottle of Delirium Tremens. You're gone. You're it's gone. Ever. Yeah. Yeah. The night's yeah. done at that point. So, <laughs> but that's the cool thing about the Roquefort is it's a small bottle, so you can actually just enjoy one and not fall asleep immediately. Yeah. Let's pick. Let's just pick favorite. Mass market beer, one that you can get anywhere in the country. Lagunese Maximus, yeah. Does that count, or are they kind of limited? I don't know if that's everywhere. Yeah, is it? It probably. I've had Lagunitas like you can get Lagunitas here. Yeah, you can get it pretty easily. Most places I've been, I don't know. That that that's a very good choice, man. You know that that would be mine if that counts. If that's a widely available beer, yeah. What about you? Um. I guess if if not a Lagunitas brew, uh, Sierra Nevada uh, Torpedo. It's good, man. It's pretty good. I like that one. Yeah. I like that hot bullet. That um, The hot bullet's good. That they do. That's really yeah. good, too. Yeah. Stone also stuff the, also very the, the uh, Tropical stuff. Torpedo during the That's summer. That's good, too. Pretty You're good, You're right, too. man. Yeah. You're right. They got some pretty good stuff. Stone, uh, Stone Brewing Company, yeah. Yeah. They're all over the place. They're all over the place. You can get some good place, stuff man. from there. Dude, if... If I could find that goddamn vengeful spirit anywhere, yeah, that was like my favorite yeah. for so long, man. I've mm-hmm. not been able to find it for like years. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Stone's man. got some great stuff. Yeah. yeah. And I'll tell you what, our, our listeners got some great stuff. These are some seriously, very, very yeah, good we questions. get great beers and some great questions from all our folks. So thanks, guys, for all your questions. We couldn't get to all of them. But there's uh, more to do next time that we don't have a topic. Yeah, next time we don't have a topic, maybe we can come back to this. Yeah, damn right. So thank you guys so much for tuning in and uh, giving us some great questions that we can talk about here on the show. But now it's time to get into the movie review ski. Yeah. 
while we drink a brewski. <laughs> and let's talk about session nine. Now, this was, again, a Patreon pick. Yeah. Everybody this was that's a, a, just, a five dollar Matthews Williams. Yeah, that's yeah. oh yeah, that's right. Uh-huh. Everybody that's a five dollar uh, level patron can uh-huh. uh, submit a movie, and we do those as a random drawing about every month. Yeah, we've we've so far done it monthly, and done even more than one a month that's for right. a, a couple months. That's so. right. Yeah, and this was a cool submission. So we, yeah, we drew this, and as I, I said on the video on the YouTube channel, follow our YouTube channel if you don't already. Uh huh. I had never seen this, yeah. don't know anything about it, and okay. I decided to keep my vision unclear of the movie. Okay, so you didn't read anything. I didn't read anything. Good call, I think. I didn't watch a trailer. Yeah. I didn't do anything. So, like, uh, I was asking Kate if she wanted to watch it with me because she was, like, working on um, preparing the dog's food for the week right. and stuff like that. I was like, do you want to watch this movie for the show with me? And she was like, uh, I don't know anything about it. And I was like, I don't either, and I want to keep it that way. So I pulled a trailer for her to watch, and I left the room because I didn't even want to know anything about right. this movie. You know, it's kind of a rare opportunity to get to go into a movie completely yeah. blank slate, fresh. Yeah, and I wanted to take advantage of that with. And me, again, so with I this did. movie, it's a good call. I think it was a good call. Also, yeah. she said the trailer was kind of crap, so yeah, it probably would have tainted my expectations yeah. if I would have seen the trailer too. So was this the first time that you watched this one, or had you no? Seen it I had seen it before. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah, you said that before. I saw it. Um, I don't know, probably like 2006 or seven. And this is a 2001. Yeah, it came movie. out in 2001, and still it's shot in digital. Still looks good because it was shot in 24 frame digital back in a time when 30 frame digital was the most popular. And now when you look back, see 30 frame digital from that time in comparison to 20 frame 24 frame digital. The 24 frame stuff all looks better. Why is that? I don't understand why it would look better with a lower frame rate. Well, I, I maybe it had to do with the memory capacity of the the digital yeah cameras. Maybe I don't know. I'm sure somebody out there listening. Knows. Yeah, because I mean, 24 frames per second would take up less memory than 30 frames per second, so right. it could be sharper, perhaps. Maybe it's that. Yeah, maybe but it's yeah, that. I, I don't know. I don't know how all that works, but I, I we. You can tend to tell now uh, that, you know, they have much higher frame rates even that movies that ha- use those ultra high frame rates often look look weird, man. Weird. Like, yeah. f- like too real to the point of looking super fake. Yeah. Yeah. There's something about like, yeah, anytime you see something that's like 60 frames per second yeah. or whatever, it looks like damn... Uh, what do they call it? Like the Mexican soap operas, like Telemundo yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Uh-huh. It looks like that Where it's shit. just blasted with light and like super high like yeah. frame rate recording. Everything's yeah. like weirdly fluid. Uh-huh. It's just strange looking. Yeah. And I do Uncanny not Uncanny Valley sort of stuff. Yeah, it's where that it's kind just of thing, like, right? I know the people on the TV are real people, but like it's always, there's there's always a veneer of TV to it, but you're taking it away. Yeah. Where it just looks too real. It's strange because, like, as I was going through after I watched the movie and I was reading people's, like, IMDb reviews, there were multiple people that complained about the digital 24 frames per second frame rate. They're like, oh, it looks very dated because of the 24 uh, frame rate on this. Yeah. I don't that, understand. That Well, that just came from, you know, there was a period in technology where higher number meant better. Yeah. And... People didn't realize that 
the edges of, of frame rate technology were going to start to cause actual issues because of memory and, and things like that that just couldn't take in all the information with the higher frame rate at uh, the same quality that you could with the lower frame rate. Well, that's the crazy thing is like when you watch this movie knowing that it came out in 2001. Yeah. And then you compare that to other movies that we've even covered on the show before. That were shot on digital. Yeah, like Dog Soldiers that were shot mid-2000s on digital. And that digital doesn't look as good. This movie looks infinitely better. Yeah. I mean, honestly, 28 Days Later suffers from a lot of the digital Shot on digital. digital Yeah, it looks pretty bad in some shots. Yeah. A lot of times. No matter how high high quality you watch it in. Because I I watched it in Blu-ray quality. And it you could still see just so many yeah. like bad areas from the digital that's that's exactly it like weird like blotchy areas mm-hmm. in the backgrounds and stuff like yeah i have a dvd of 28 and we watched it for the show and it's like at times it felt like i was watching a streaming version that was like at 240p right yeah you know or like where you know somebody else is using the internet and yeah. started slowing down the the stream or whatever right there's times that it felt like that this movie looks yeah, it looks super it looks great. crisp. It uh-huh. looks really great. And I don't know, too, if part of that is the frame rate. And then also, if you think about it, most of this movie is shot very brightly lit. Yeah. Digital suffers with yeah, the true Yeah, because they're, they're most of the time inside with no natural light. And yeah, so there there's a lot of bright light in there. Yeah, exactly. So digital kind of suffers with low light conditions yeah. and stuff. That's where you get those blotchy looking blacks. I don't know, like though, because there are there the some real time scenes. There are there. some You're real right. dark scenes and they don't get that. I didn't see any of that digital compression sort no. of stuff. And I was streaming this. It's streaming on uh, Shutter. Shutter yeah. right now. Yeah, yeah so that's what I did streaming. too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It looks fantastic and it looks so much better than, like I said, even movies that came out years after it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that uh, it's that's definitely to its credit. Yeah. That it's a good looking movie. I mean, that's not a surprise, but uh, it came from Brad Anderson, director of. Mr. Anderson. That's the one. <laughs> He's Neo. Yep. The one. He directed The Machinist. See, I read that after I watched the movie, and I was mm-hmm. like, well, no wonder this feels like it was made by a very competent filmmaker. The right. Machinist is a crazy movie. But the, he, this came before The Machinist. Like, yeah. This is one of his, his first movies, it, and it's his first horror movie. He also directed Trans-Siberian, which is a thriller that I've heard great things about. I have not seen, seen. No. And then Stone Hurts Asylum, which I have watched. It's on Netflix. It's got Kate... Um, Beckinsale oh, okay. and and Big Ben Kingsley. Oh, okay, right on. Yeah, I haven't I, seen that. One. So is that another like it's asylum great. movie? It, yeah, it's an asylum movie. I, I'm not gonna say it's great, but it's it's watchable and enjoyable. So I'm gonna say great. that it seems like this guy has a penchant for making movies about um, maybe people suffering from mental illness of some kind. <laughs> maybe because the machine is totally yeah, that's totally too. yeah. Hmm. Yeah, maybe that's his, his interest. But yeah, it could be. He's, he's also done a lot of TV directing, uh, specifically directed episodes of The Wire. He did uh, Masters of Horror. Oh, okay. He also did uh, episodes of Fringe and Boardwalk Empire. So I like all three of those shows I just named and the Masters of Horror series. He does so, a good work. He does a good work. He does a good work, yeah. man. And uh, this movie, in addition to looking, I think, very ahead of its time. Yeah. 
is also pretty ahead of its time in terms of like the tone and, and subject matter and stuff like that. Yeah, I feel like this movie, I think, influenced a lot of things that came after it. Yeah, it definitely did because this movie, this movie is so much quieter than the late 90s, early 2000s horror movies. Uh, even even things like The Others are like, they're the real big moments and the real big like scares and big reveals and stuff. And this movie is so much like more muted and quieter and, and reminds me more of a lot of the great indie horror movies we've seen from you know the late 2000s into this decade right yeah totally yeah, yeah. movies like 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 house of the devil like we mentioned earlier yeah and it reminded me very much of black coat's daughter after you pointed that out to me i was like that's so completely yeah. clear for me to see now yeah. how this is very similar to black Coat's daughter now i think that some of those similarities are that they both take from the shining yeah, for sure. Definitely, big like they both on this. take like they they have some real good inspiration from The Shining. And, oh, <laughs> also feel like an idiot now. Best Haunted House movie didn't even mention The Shining. Oh, what a yeah. fucking idiot. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's that's for <laughs> the, sure the, the best. best one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so it definitely draws from yeah, that. Yeah, so it definitely draws from that. But they're they're both so different. I mean, this is very different than The Shining. Yeah, but there's moments in here too, like that moment where they, they just check out the uh, the asylum and that guy, I think his name is Bill, is kind of like showing them around. He's like, yeah, this Bill. is the room yeah. where we do this and blah, blah, uh-huh. blah. It's so Scatman showing them the yes, kitchen. Yes, it is. It's absolutely yeah. that. Yeah, it totally is. It, it And it even starts with that like sort of panning shot of nature and stuff and then really sort of violently cuts to some action yeah which is just how the shining starts for us right so it's it's got it's got some musical similarities as well i would say throughout some of that modern classical kind of soundtrack and stuff the soundtrack in this i thought was really fucking cool yeah it's great pretty understated but when it's there it completely makes sense and Um, I, I believe we said this about some other great successful soundtracks where it's like, it doesn't tell you how to feel about the scene. No, it's just part of it. It, it compliments how you're already feeling yeah. about the scene. Yeah, because it feels like it fits with the setting. Yeah, so, absolutely. So perfectly. Yeah, and just the, the weird, ambiguous weirdness that's going on throughout this movie. Yeah. I think the soundtrack suits it very, very well. I didn't even look yeah. up who did the soundtrack, but they're a fucking badass. I didn't write them down, so I'm sorry. <laughs> Whoever did that, you rocked it, dude. We could have made them famous. We could have, yeah. Could have made them fi- famous. They finally could have made it. <laughs> they missed their big break. <laughs> Us talking about them. Us talking about them. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, this this movie it has a great like ambiance to it. Very much. Yeah. Very much so. And yeah. Where I, I feel like the atmosphere it's taking place in is just as much of a character yeah and an influencer as the actual human beings in the movie and they i think they really smartly shot in danvers state mental institution so this is real yeah they shot in the institution so the exterior shots the Batwing thing. Yeah, that that is Danvers State Holy Mental shit. Institution, or was. Some a lot of it has been destroyed. Really, since two thousand one. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. I would see. I was so with this movie, like, actually helped capture some history as well. It's yeah. not only like you know just just an interesting horror movie, but it it captured this history that 
pretty much would have been gone. We would have never caught it in digital video. I yeah, for I would have never reason. gotten to see the inside yeah. of that place. That's really interesting because, I mean, obviously the external shots in this weren't CG. No, yeah. Uh, and also there's like no CG in this I movie. don't think so, yeah. I don't, I, think, there's I don't any. think there's any at all. Which again helps it all have... All the practical effects. Yeah. No, yeah, nothing nothing that I can think of would have been CG. No. Huh. And it really helps it have a more timeless yeah. feel. Like if you told me this movie came out two years ago, I would I would believe it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would see their cell phones yeah. and the guy with the discman and right, be like, right. okay, it's set in it's the early set, 2000s. Yeah, it's set, it's set a little bit early, earlier, but it, it it fits right now in, yeah. in the landscape of horror. Totally. Yeah. But I didn't know if it was, you know, real exterior shots and sets for the interior. No, so yeah, all they, of this is just shot on location, uh-huh. which probably saved uh, them a lot of money. Yeah, David Caruso said they, they spent nothing on set dressing. Everything that is on like in the shots was in the mental institution really yeah it's all stuff that all they the, just, like crumbling tile yep, and fucking all, all that stuff. stuff that they just found there dude yeah i'm I, sure the silver coins were set dressing well, yeah, yeah obviously but yeah like all all that stuff they basically just found there and then set up these these cool sort of scenes i wonder if like dude that wrote it had that location in mind well um that's probable i would say yeah. because he he's from the area it's danver state mental institution has some sort of famous connection in that it's it was most likely the inspiration for uh lovecraft's arkham institution which oh. is in several of his short stories which became the inspiration for Arkham Asylum in Batman. Yeah, Gotham, yeah. Yeah. So, Word, that's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. It, Danvers, it has, you know, the same history as any psychiatric institution that started in the late 19th century. They treated the patients great. Yep, never. They did breakthrough effective treatments right. that really and worked. The, and it was certainly, there was certainly enough room for every patient. <laughs> yep. Dude, some of those stories think, yeah. about that, about institutions and stuff back in the yeah. day are just inhumanly awful. Yeah. I read like early the early on at one point they had room for 200 people and at a certain point they had like 2,400 patients. What the fuck? And enough room for 200 people. Yeah, it's just crazy. And of course they did, you know, lobotomies and used uh, the water treatments which was dunking people in cold water that should work to fix them and that'll do something electroshock electroshock is something that has uh, actually some benefit but yeah it was oh, being yeah. so widely used yeah, that's just what I was gonna to say. Yeah. basically as a punishment uh, the the body being a big electrical system, yeah, there there it makes sense some that it can have an effect. I mean, right. that, that that's the same effect. It can that, help with um, some something. What's it called? With the little pins that they put in you, yeah. Like, uh, fuck, what is that called? Uh, are you talking about acupuncture? Thank you. It's the same effect that acupuncture has, where it's like you're sticking pieces of metal in an electrical system. It's right. going to have an effect. Well, acupuncture doesn't have any science behind it. It though. works on dogs. Does it? Yeah. No, really. There's like okay. that. That's the thing. Acupuncture. I'm very likely to be skeptical about because all the whatever the chakras and energy flow and all that kind of shit. Uh huh. But it works on animals that have no idea what's going on. It's crazy. Like okay. you, you can watch things about like dogs and stuff like that that have like you know hip problems and all these all these uh-huh. issues and stuff with their body. They do acupuncture on them and then they're out running around the next day. 
Huh. It's fucking weird. Like that's that that's what makes me think like okay maybe there is something actually to mm. this, you know? Cuz otherwise I probably wouldn't believe in it. But a dog don't know what's going on. That's true. They they have no belief in it. Yeah, exactly. Or so, lack of belief. Yeah. Mm. Interesting stuff. I don't mm. know. I mean, of course I've never done it so I can't really say firsthand. Um but they did electroshock for all kinds of weird shit and yeah, and, and of course yeah. I guess I I guess some people still think that can get the gay out of you. You can shock the gay out of somebody. Yeah, apparently they do still think that, some folks. I uh, think even some though people... the father of, of the treatments that were supposed to cure the gay has come out really? and said that, one, he's gay. <laughs> I was going to say come out as in he's gay. Two, that he couldn't cure anyone of being gay. Wow. So... Anyway, <laughs> um, so it, it has the same sort of uh, tradition as, as any other asylum wow. in the United States and also that tradition of the 1980s where basically Reagan was like, uh, fuck y'all, figure it out. And they kicked them all out. Decommissioned the entire thing yeah. and just let them loose. And the, st- the stuff security guard says uh, about like old patients coming back to live there, that's right. something... That I've actually heard in the documentary Cropsy, which is about the Cropsy legend, but yeah. it's also about like uh, that legend is specifically associated with a a, a mental a mental institution on Long Island. Okay, and like uh, the the director basically does this real in depth sort of study of it, and and finds that like uh, after all the mental institutions patients were released a lot of them did like sneak back in and live in the mental institution because they, they knew well yeah. yeah and they had nowhere else to go well so. they weren't exactly rehabilitating them to re-enter society no they were just either. like keeping them so that they weren't a problem for other people Man. so yeah God, and then one up. day it's just like fuck you you're out yeah so yeah wow. i mean the, the stuff the stuff in this movie is is, is pretty accurate for what really happened and aside from the story that mike tells about uh, pamela willard i believe he says mm-hmm. that would that i couldn't verify i couldn't find anything That's to verify that but it, but what he was talking about was basically uh, stories that were told during the satanic panic which is what he was talking about all the satanic that, ritual abuse yeah, and yeah all that like kind of stuff yeah, yeah. the stuff like all of that, those stories you can read several of from that that period. Kids saying all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it was yeah people in black robes. And yeah, yeah, all that jazz. Yeah, so never happened. Aside aside from that, everything that they say about the the institution is pretty pretty true and and right on with, wow. with what what actually happened. That's the thing is like you watch the movie and they're they're talking about all the shit and you're like I would like to think this is falsified. Yeah. And it's not. Yeah, it's really not. It's not falsified. I mean, but th- this is not so much about the institution being terrible as the institution having a spirit in it yeah. or to it. It's it's like there, there's something to the institution that seems to not only, you know, get into Gordon, but it seems to get into each of them in its own way. It seems to influence them. Yeah. yeah all in, in sort of different ways. Yeah. And this is, some other critic has, has pointed this out, but this is the idea of um, 
from Roman religion of the genius loci. Genius loci. Yeah, I have which no is no idea what that is. It's the spirit of a place. The spirit oh, okay. that that inhabits a place and protects it. And it would be part of like rituals throughout the year where mm, you would okay. sort go of go to like, a certain place for a certain need or whatever. Right, yeah. yeah. Within the place and um you know, th- this spirit resides and protects the the area. Mm, okay. Uh, you also see it in Eastern religion and you can all, that actually is, I would say like part of the grudge. The grudge is about this one house where this terrible thing has happened and these spirits, they, they remain there as like, not just as a haunting, but as like a, a protector of the evil within the house. So this Genius Loki would be, um, what's his name? Sam? Sim- Simon. 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 Yeah. Okay. Yeah. One of the one of the Simon. altars of the, of Mary. The person we hear on the text. Yeah. Yeah. It. I mean, Simon kind of indicates this whenever Simon speaks in the session nine tape. Kind of indicates that like he's not just part of Mary. Like he he inhabits people in those moments where they're like at their worst where they're okay. at their lowest that makes sense because like even on the tapes and stuff that that dude really gets into and obsessively like listens to the voices of it's uh the princess yeah and billy i think the name There's, is yeah mary the princess and billy and then simon simon's voice is just clearly some dude yeah like, it's a completely different voice like yeah. the, the voices of yeah, female Mary acting like Billy or whoever. Yeah. It sounds like a woman doing a man's voice, but the right. voice of Simon sounds like just some guy. A, a man. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's really jolting and like the the atmosphere of the movie may helps those tape listening moments fit. Like it'll be you know, you're hearing parts of the tape and really nothing's going on. But like they're just cleaning up, you know, you get some shots of them cleaning Mm. up and stuff, but it it helps keep the story going along where it normally could be boring. There's some good editing that makes it really still interesting. And just great atmosphere that lets you know that this is important and relevant. That's true because really it's like if you're reading a script and it got to a part where it's like, dude listens to tape, tape says these words, Uh like... That'd be, and what are you doing? You're just watching like some reels of tapes spinning. Right. <laughs> It'd be the most boring part of any movie be, ever, yeah. you know? And it would but have been it, very easy for that to be a dull part of but this. But it's no complaint for me, isn't. man. There, yeah. It's not I dull. Even, like, I didn't even think about the possibility yeah. of how that could have been dull yeah. until we were just talking about it. I mean, and in this movie, is it's uh, what, like an hour 35 or Something so? like that. It's not yeah. horribly long. It's not terribly long. Never really feels like it's dragging. Even though, Even though it's a happens. slow burn. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is completely a slow burn movie, and there's zero jump scares. Yes. I know. And zero. there could be. It's kind of loose to call it horror. Yeah. Like, it's honestly yeah. more of a... I mean, kind of like The Machinist in a way. It's like, it's a it's psychological... It's a thriller, yeah, psychological thriller, horror-esque. You know, honestly, that's kind of weird. I think we need sort of a new category because it's yeah. not necessarily just a thriller. Like, I feel like there should be a genre that's just called dark thriller. Yeah, where well, you know? that would be like seven and and things like that. So all fit, they fit like well yeah. outside of the realm of what you would normally call a thriller because a thriller can be predominantly an action movie yeah. with just or like a crime a, drama. Yeah, 
whatever. Yeah. yeah. Whereas these are more the horror oriented thriller. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe supernatural thriller is an easy way to kind of, well, but then yeah. again, Sansa of Lambs and stuff like that, there's nothing supernatural about that. Yeah. I don't know, dark thriller to me kind of makes yeah, sense. Just dark thriller. Yeah. yeah. And, okay. that, and that's what is this movie really is because, like I said, there are no jump scares yeah, or like, anything in this. Think of the moments where there could be jump scares. Whenever, uh, what's his name? The uh, uh, Warren Beatty from Empire Records. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jeff. Whenever Jeff is coming up the stairs, when he's already afraid of the dark, he, he has to go down there and plug in the generator real right. quick. And he's coming back up the stairs, and then he sees, what's his name, uh, Mike? It, was he the gambler guy? Was, I think so, yeah. Yeah. He, yeah, he sees, no, Mike was the guy who was listening to all the tapes. Hank. Hank was yeah, the gambler Hank guy. Yeah, gambler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's the guy from Sweet Home Alabama. Kenny Rogers, also the gambler. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he sees Hank right over here, and, uh, uh, a, a jump scare horror movie would have given us the cut of him about to turn and then see the guy standing there. But instead, we slowly like see him like the yeah. way a person would. Like, oh, that's what I was gonna you're say. right over there. Yeah, much like and how he doesn't. A person would he doesn't go like. <gasps> it's just like oh, 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 that's weird. Because yeah. you're supposed to be in Miami or whatever. And Hank doesn't do some kind of dumb thing where he very twitchily turns around yeah. and is suddenly yeah, at the base yeah, of the yeah, stairs. Yeah. yeah, there's there's none of that shit. Yeah. Which I appreciate because it kept me glued to the movie because there wasn't yeah. a bunch of typical horror bullshit. Yeah, because like, you're, you're like, oh, that's weird. That thing that just happened. Uh, okay. But like you didn't feel like that peak. So it's like, okay, what's going to happen next? Oh, that's weird. Yeah, because it uh, okay, never really what's happen next? It never like paid off and gave you that big exclamation yeah. point. So it's like you were kind of constantly waiting for the other shoe to drop where it's yeah. like, I know this is going to hit at some point. Uh-huh. It really kept me on the edge of my seat yeah. in that way without keeping me bored. Right. You know? I think it would have been very easy for this movie to be boring. Yeah. You know? It's, it's it's interesting, man. Like I feel like even if you're not a big horror fan, you could you could watch this movie. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, there's some there's some moments that would probably disturb you that you might not get in your average thriller. Yeah. But yeah, you don't have to be a horror fan to get into so. this. And there's not tons of gore in it, you know. There's not. But there there's some real some some sick implied things some yeah. things that we hear about and some things we hear even but don't see yeah yeah i think the most grisly part in this is like it, it's way towards the end of the movie but uh-huh. whenever i think it, i think it's gordy yeah. is like pulling the lobotomy tool out of hank's uh-huh. head yeah to kill the the new guy uh craig yeah and it's yeah. like he, he starts to pull it out of his eye socket and dude's like head kind of comes uh-huh. with it where you can tell it's like it's really embedded in yeah his skull. that was such a great effect uh, like it would have been one thing if he just would have like unsheathed that thing like a knife and it uh-huh. would have just slipped out of his head but, but the no, fact that he had to like his head pull with it with it, it. Ugh, that yeah. to me was like oh fuck that yeah that brutal. was a great effect yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. i really dug that and really, like, the thing about this movie that kept me so intrigued, just like a lot of my other favorite horror movies, uh-huh. it is a small cast of characters in one location. Yes. You know? I mean, mm-hmm. there, there's little parts where Gordy goes back to his house and stuff like that, but... Right. For the but most he part, never actually goes in his house. No. They never go into another location. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, they're only ever in the asylum. They're always exterior everywhere yeah. else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
And it's a small cast of characters. They're pretty much bottled into this one environment, which mm-hmm. in itself is a character in the movie. I mean, yeah. that's that's The Shining. That's Black Hood's yeah, daughter. That's exactly. most of yeah. my favorite movies. Yeah. So this space is Simon. I mean, I, I think... That's what you're kind of getting at, is that this yeah. place kind of brings these things out of yeah. these people or maybe influences them to pursue yeah. things. Because that, that's I, one thing that I noticed uh, yeah. about the characters in this uh-huh. is that all of them seem to be driven very singularly towards one, I would say, like, trait. Yeah. Or maybe even character flaw yes. in, in a way where it's like, okay, Hank. Mm-hmm. Uh, the real, gambling. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Gambling and greed. Yeah. Like, this place really drew that out of him. It's yeah. like he always had that slant anyway. Yeah, but it, this place knew that about him and sort of yeah brought him to what would draw him further in yeah which is the yeah. money and stuff yeah him which finding is the that. shining yeah <laughs> yes, <laughs> that is it. yeah that's exactly it i thought he had a very like castlevania moment where he like he busts open that brick yes. and money, money falls out uh-huh. i was waiting for like a big like pot roast to yeah fall out next and him to eat it in one bite <laughs> hearts go up whip a ghoul whip a ghoul something like that uh-huh and uh, and then it's crazy. There's that shot where he shows him getting all that money out of the wall, and then yeah. on the other side is like the crematorium. Yeah, so it's like, I guess that's just so you know that yeah, that, those came from the the dead patients. Yeah, because he finds like teeth with gold in it. Uh-huh. And shit. It's like very like Nazi gold. Yes. kind of thing. It know? is very fucking creepy. Uh-huh. And then you've also got like Phil, which is uh, God damn it, who plays him? Uh, David Caruso. David Caruso. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, talking uh, about Horatio Kane from CSI Miami. Yeah. Uh huh. That guy, uh-huh. uh his motivation seems to be like lying. He's a liar. He does seem to lie and hold back the truth a lot, which I actually didn't get the first time I watched this movie that it was a who done it. Yeah, the, the second time through, I was like, oh, they're implying like very much that each, not all of them, but they're Mike, Phil, and and uh, Gordon are all kind of possible killers totally they keep making it like and, and the first time i didn't get it the first time gordon just stood out to me as like that's the oh, killer. This guy's doing it yeah. yeah so i i kind of appreciated that more the second time through that like oh they're keeping it sort of ambiguous like i mean so but but with that with that in mind would you say it's a badly done who done it must be badly done because i did didn't notice it at all yeah, the like, first time. Like like a, a fucking Argento or whatever is like yeah. a very much a, yeah. well, obviously you don't know who the black gloved killer is, yeah. you know? <laughs> and you're not going to guess it in an Argento movie. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's just whatever, this person. Yeah, that person. Remember so, him? He was in the background in one scene. To me, I watched this and I did the first time and the you only time, honestly. Yeah, which I, I, I so wish I would have had time to watch this movie yeah. again because there's things that I feel like you're going to have to explain to me. Yeah. And yeah, I look forward to having it explained to me. Yeah. Yeah, especially towards the end of the movie. The first time that I watched it, to me, it was very much a whodunit. And it was Uh so intriguing because you just have this cast of these weird-ass characters. And like I said, they seem to be driven towards these singular goals. Yeah. And, well, even even like... um, What's that one dude's name? Mike, the guy that gets real obsessed with like yes. learning about the history. Yeah, and, he's and to his, the his dad and was an attorney, and he's thinking about going back to law school. But he also and, has like real fucking sociopath kind of slant to him, where you like yes, reenact lobotomy on dude with that chopstick and stuff. Right? Yeah, where it's like, like he, he's very up. cold and calculated about things. So yeah, like that, and that's what that is his like one main trait that the 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 asylum seems to bring out in him is his cold calculated nature 
like pay attention if you do watch it again for instance when he grabs the box with the session tapes in them yeah it's not the box on top and it's not the easiest box to pull down oh it's i just didn't notice the box that. he grabs yeah so it's like he's driven toward that box whoa like, he's like directed him like this. yeah this is the one pick this box uh-huh. up. yeah That's and cool. the other box even falls down and like i think it hits him in the head yeah which falls to the side so like he just goes for this that very one. specific box and and gets so caught up in it that yeah. like he's not doing any other work the entire time he's there. And dude, which again that once again draws me back to this is very much like Jack Torrance's character in the yeah. Shining book. Exactly, doing no work at all. Yeah, like in yeah. the in the book, it's not really well. Apparently, it might have been filmed for the actual Shining movie. Uh huh. Um, but it's a huge part of the book, but it didn't make it into the movie. This he's researching the, the hotel. Yeah. Right? He finds, yeah. he finds this, uh, this thing in the boiler room. He finds this room that's just full of like receipts and ledgers yeah. and scrapbooks and shit like that. Mm-hmm. And Jack Torrance in the book is just down there researching the shit obsessively all the time. Yeah. And that's how you kind of get some of the history of the hotel and stuff like that is because uh-huh. Jack is learning it as you're learning it and stuff too. Yeah. And actually weirdly in the movie, there actually is a scrapbook that is on the table with him as he's like typing up his his novel. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah. remember that. Yeah, I remember seeing that. That's something and, that came from the boiler room. Uh huh. But so 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 there's like mention of it sort of in the movie, but yeah. not. It's not direct. Does it go but into it? Is, it, yeah. it is there. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so th- the dude going down there and obsessively listening to these tapes and like ignoring his work and shit like that and just going off on his own. Again, really reminded me of The Shining a lot. So yeah. I was I was very much on board with that. Yeah. But you got all these like weird characters that are shady uh-huh. and not really open with each other, not really clear about each other. Yeah. And, and it just really fascinated me. Okay, so I've worked on a construction crew. Yeah. And I would say that the way that these guys interact is pretty much par. Yeah. Or the type of work you'd be doing. These, I mean, even if you're, say, a Mike in the group who maybe is very intelligent, has like aspirations a future, to move yeah. on to something else. And yeah, most of the guys you're working with aren't very bright. A lot of the talks you're going to have are going to be really dumb, and the stuff they're going to say is going to be kind of stupid, and they're not going to be the best communicators. And all this sense, like all this stuff in this movie just made sense to me watching it. It was just like, yeah, that's probably how they'd be, especially like the kid who's there because his uncle. Yeah, Jeff, I think it is. Yeah. He's just a fucking idiot. Yeah, like that that kid, he's, yeah. Yep. (laughs) There are definitely those kids. guy's there on the job site. Every single contractor's son has been on the job site and, and been that or nephew or cousin or whatever and yeah it's it seemed like they had it seemed like they addressed to the awkwardness because phil talks about how they used to joke around on the job site and go out for beers and stuff and that is more like how they would be but the asylum is making them paranoid Mm, okay and it's it's making them like question each other yeah yeah and separating them from each other that's what you'll notice like 
I, I kept noticing it, it was almost like the cabin in the woods scene where they're like, let's stay together. And then they like release the gas and then they're like, no, we no, should split, split up. up. Yeah. Like every time they would be coming together, it was like their minds are clouded almost. And they're like, let's split up. And they would split up every time. So they're all going and being separated every single time from each other. Right. And the building is getting to mess with them more. So yeah, it's it's like The Shining <laughs> in so many ways. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but the thing about it is too is that I think is just one of those I don't know, it, it's simultaneously extremely obvious and also I think kind of backdoor psychological in a way. I mean, they could have had these guys going in to remove asbestos from a school yeah. or a hospital. Right, it could or have been whatever. Any number of things. But the fact is that you have all these guys that are exhibiting these weird antisocial and obsessive tendencies yep. and they're in an asylum yeah it just kind of makes it a little bit i don't i don't know more too in, on the nose gro- well maybe too on the nose but at the same time it's like i don't know you just kind of start thinking it's like well they're in the right place yeah you know yeah i well yeah i would agree i think it's 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 a good setting but i i also wonder but again, because of what Phil says about how they used to be, if it's just the site that is making them that way. Right. I mean, we do know that Hank has his gambling issues. And we know... That pre-existed. Yeah, we yeah. know even from day one that Mike is kind of always separated from him because he's just sitting off to the side reading a book before anything really gets started. Yeah. Uh yeah, we we know these things about each of them. And they do it's like they get like magnified. More exaggerated. Each, yeah. yeah, each day they get more and more magnified. So Mike gets so like separated from everyone else and they're so all getting stuck. very separated. Yeah. yeah. The tension between Gordy and Phil gets more uh-huh. and more intense. And, and and yeah, and Phil is being cagey even when he shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Like he, you know, whenever that drug deal that he like lies about, again, yeah. like lying is his tendency. That yeah, because couldn't out. he just say like, I mean, it's, it's like not I like, like Gordy doesn't know he smokes weed, right? Yeah. So like, yeah, he's just buying weed from a couple dudes, right? Yeah, yeah. So like he, yeah, he. So that's what it seems to be egging on Gordy's paranoia. But what's what's so interesting to me is that. If I had been watching it the first time as a whodunit, I realized that what Gordy is slowly realizing, or at least thinking he's realizing, is that Phil killed his family. Wait. Yeah. When Gordy goes into that room near the end, the room with all the, the pictures up, he sees these pictures of his family like covered in blood and stuff and this is when he is super hardcore suspecting phil of killing hank okay right yeah 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 yeah. and he sees all this blood and he sees like on his way towards that room he sees one of those coins Uh and it flashes back to him getting one of those coins from phil so he's thinking Phil has been in this room and put up these pictures of his family oh. with blood on them. Yeah. So Gordon, he's so dissociated because, I mean, that's 
kind of what this is about is dissociative identity disorder. And I'll talk about like the actual true case that inspired this, but yeah, I want to hear about it. But yeah, so Gordon is thinking that Phil has killed Hank and now he's looking at the pictures and he's thinking, Oh, that's why I can't get through to my wife because Phil has killed them. They're gone now. Yeah. And he turns around and uh, what we know from then the flashback, he kills Phil. Uh huh. But in like real time, what we see is Phil's there and then he just sort of disappears and then it just cuts to something else and we don't know what happened there. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little unclear. Yeah. Everything is like all disjointed and stuff. And that, uh, that actually plays all into the dissociative identity disorder thing where basically there are these people with dissociative identity disorder will often have which is previously called multiple personality disorder. Right. Yeah. They will have a, a separate or more uh, distinct personalities that will tend to have names and histories even. And sometimes, uh, according to that one interview I saw long ago, there was a, a guy who one of his personalities needed glasses to read. Yeah, one had other, like 2020. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Really yeah. strange. Anyway... So the the way that it all kind of plays out in the end is like sort of like these memory gaps and everything just sort of um sort of gets hallucinatory and we're not really sure what's happening but basically Gordon is he's he's killed each of them and has put them in specific areas but he's hallucinated this situation in which like Phil is the bad guy and he's done nothing wrong. And then once he's sort of confronted with it right there at the end, he remembers killing his wife and his dog and his baby. Yeah. But then he kills Craig still, still like he, he's still like, trying to cover it up he's Cra- still Craig trying to- is totally the scatman crothers yeah of this movie. poor craig like he just spends the yeah. whole movie trying to get to the job site walks into this empty fucking location yeah. hey is anybody here uh-huh. gets murdered like that's scatman yeah you know and he's played by larry fessenden who i just want to mention because uh looking through his imdb like i've seen him in so many awesome indie horror movies yeah? and we've never done one so oh, this shit. is the first time i've gotten to mention him Larry Fessenden is fucking awesome in so many things. Check him out. Just look him up. He'll be back. Yeah, he'll definitely be back. Yeah. That's cool, man. But yeah, he's got a real small role in this just to basically show up and die. So you're saying the the, the somewhat like fractured, disjointed nature of the ending is there to kind of reflect not only the the Session 9 tapes that we're listening to, but also Gordy's mental state. Yeah. Yeah. So we're seeing it sort of how Gordy could piece it together, mm. possibly. So it's kind of from his perspective, in a way. Yeah. 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 Now. Because that, that's the thing. It's like, ultimately, too, with all the, the, the DID stuff that was on the tapes. Yeah. And then all of, yeah, Gordy's disjointed weird memories. Yeah. I was really waiting for this to take a turn where it showed you that you know, he was a one-man work crew, and that Phil and Hank and all oh, these others none of were them just were like actually there. Yeah, like those were just right. fragments of his personality. I kept waiting for that to happen, yeah. and I'm glad it didn't. Yeah, me too. But I'm still 
a little unclear about some of the things. Yeah, the I'm glad. I, well, okay, yeah, because I I would say in the end, I think it almost entirely avoids going supernatural or overly like, yeah, we showed you this, but it wasn't really there. It the deceptive narrative right. fault that a lot of movies have. What we definitely have to deal with is what Simon is. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind like, of portrayed as like one of Mary's yeah. others. Yeah, but but Mary didn't live in the asylum before she killed her brother and her parents. Yeah. She lived in her house. It was Simon though that pushed her to do it. Now Simon also Simon says some things. Uh he is asked why he killed the the brother and the parents. Yeah. And he says, because Mary let me, Doc. They always do. Okay, so, so they mean yeah, more meaning, than one person yeah, I've so, inhabited. Right. So I didn't he, catch that. So this is something supernatural. Okay. Or something right. otherworldly. Yeah. Right. And it also says, I live in the wounded, Doc. Now, this is interesting because in about 90% of the cases of uh, dissociative identity disorder, there's a history of abuse in childhood. Yeah, yeah. And you you create these fragmented Mm. personalities to take the damage while your real self is running away or hiding, so to speak, psychologically. Yeah, so Simon then is like a vengeful character almost who gets revenge on people who hurt children. Okay. Well, Gordon killed a baby. Okay. Yeah. Before any of this kicks off, yeah, Gordon right. killed a baby. Right. So is this all Simon getting revenge for Gordon killing a baby? Is hmm. Simon this like protector of children? Well, that's the thing too, though, is that those descriptions of where Mary's others live like the princess lives right. in the mouth yeah. because mm-hmm. she talks a lot right. and like Billy lives in the eyes because he sees everything happen. Yeah. Then you just said Simon lives in the weak and wounded. Like yeah. that's not a location. That's a type of people. Right. I didn't think about that. So yeah. So you're saying li- Simon isn't specific to Mary. No. He yeah, he so he of course would mm. be stronger in the insane asylum because these are going to be the weak and wounded. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so when Gordy got in there, he was able to be very easily influenced. Yeah, because he he has been he is he has wounded a weak one. He has wow. killed a child. Yeah, yeah. And Simon wants his vengeance, basically. But isn't it cool though that this movie, uh, apparently, like you're saying, does actually go towards a supernatural yeah. entity? Yeah. Without having a guy in a sheet or a right a, a, again like a, a shaky mm-hmm. frame rate stutter yeah ghost appearing being like and hi without, I am Simon do you want to play uh, like, right it never goes to that and without having to do jump scares because if you're doing supernatural jump scares it's are implied it's almost gonna always gonna happen yeah yeah huh that's actually pretty fucking sophisticated yeah. isn't so, it so yeah it's a real good stripped down supernatural almost haunting movie like yeah. it's almost a haunting but simon is something different simon is more of a 
I mean, it's not even demonic. It's it's cool because they don't bring in religion no. in any way. Uh, well, other than the satanic ritual abuse, which I think right, is pretty well they, understood that it's bullshit. Yeah, yeah, that's what. Yeah, that's what they're getting at with it. Is that that was bullshit? It was obviously bullshit and and stupid. So, I I think yeah, like there, it's just this like it's divorced from uh, a single individual human spirit. It's divorced from. All these other things, but it's still supernatural in the idea that it is an entity that can live within people who have been harmed as children. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Yeah. That's pretty fucking cool. So yeah, I thought that I thought it was pretty cool. Here's the thing about this movie that I think is the negative. Okay. The ending isn't great. It's not great. Specifically, I think, because he sees that hallucination of Phil where Phil keeps telling him he needs to wake up. I think Yeah. I think if they cut that, there's no problem. Because okay. that that seems to be too like too overt, like He's hallucinating. This isn't real. This isn't real. Like I don't want Spell that. that a little too clear. Yeah, I want yeah. it to. I want it to feel still very real. So if you just cut that, the only other things are hallucin hallucinations, which are fine. They can add to a surreal feel to the movie without making it feel like it's pointing out to me that these specific things aren't real. Because then what? can we know for sure is real i want it to all be real and also be weird yeah. <laughs> instead of like there being a moment where it sort of points out that maybe this isn't real i gotcha yeah i think that's a pretty valid valid yeah. complaint now that you bring it up that way and it's a little too clunky near the end i think maybe you know that's the thing about this movie is that and again, even when like I was reading through my notes, like I have what the hell is going on here? Yeah, several times written down. Yeah, this movie is clearly made by somebody who is extremely capable. Oh yeah, like at no point did I feel like this is made by some fucking amateur. This is some like student film. This right. is somebody who is just trying to like spook people with jump scares. Like I never felt like this film was made by an amateur that didn't know what he was doing and didn't appreciate film and and so on. Yeah. It's like I felt like I was in the in the hands of a very competent movie maker the entire time. So, you know, even the parts of the movie that were, you know, maybe slow uh -huh. or like like we were saying, it's like there's not really a lot of action and stuff in the yeah. movie. I was always kind of like, I know that this is going to take me somewhere. Right. I know that they're telling me something because they're I not feel wasting my time to just try to get a cheap scare. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's like I felt like I was I was in the hands of somebody that knew what they were doing. Yeah. So the ending to me, it kind of got there and I was like, oh, like maybe did they just get kind of lucky developing a lot of this interest right. and stuff like that? Like yeah. maybe they just kind of got lucky with this. Maybe this wasn't as competent of a filmmaker as mm. I thought. I didn't love the ending. Yeah. But but again, may, maybe if I would have gotten to watch it a couple times, yeah, it would be different. I think it's it was better on my second watch through. Man, uh, I still I need to see it again. But I, I, I still did think the ending was a little weak and kind of undercut. It felt like it could have been more so, climactic to yeah. me. Like it felt yeah. like there was like about fifteen more minutes of movie to yeah. go, and they were just like, eh, out of budget. See you later. 
it's possible. You know, like some of the imagery and stuff was really cool where like it shows Gordy like talking on that broken phone. Like, right. That to me was a really yeah. cool image where like, the phone is image. fucking broken and he's talking on the phone. Uh-huh. That just kind of shows you like. Oh, he's not been talking to anybody up to this point. That to yeah. me was that to me was pretty neat. There's some good imagery and stuff, but like I said, ultimately when it got to the end, I felt a little underwhelmed considering how well it had kept my attention the whole film. Yeah. Like again, to to compare it to like Black Coat's Daughter or something like that. Yeah. Which, you know, again, of course, Black Coat's Daughter came out a few years ago. This is 2001. It wasn't really working off of much of a blueprint. That's true. You know? I can't think of a whole lot of horror movies previous to this that were this slow and this like type psychological like brooding. psychological brooding developing yeah. in that really interesting but subtle way. Yeah, it it, it was very different for yeah. the time. So I I think it 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 deserves a lot of credit. But as I was watching like Black House Daughter, you know, it's like you're watching that flick and you're like, what the fuck is going on here? Again, uh-huh. you felt like you're like, whoever's making this movie knows what they're doing. So I'm going to stay focused because right. I know they're trying to tell me something. And then that movie got to the end and it was like, oh, oh fuck. yeah. Now I get it. Yeah. yeah. And this also is it's, awesome. it's crushing. The end of that yeah. movie is Ugh. crushing. It really is. This and honestly, maybe it's because partially with this, I guess I was a less emotionally invested in the characters. Yeah. You know, because like really the character Gordy and some of these other guys, it's like you don't really know that much about him. You're not all that invested in him per se by the end of the movie. So maybe that final blow wasn't that impactful because it's just like, well, yeah, this guy was kind of just creepy and shady the whole movie. Yeah. You know, unlike, again, some of the characters in Black Coats and stuff like that, where they have a vulnerability and a humanness to them that lets you connect yeah. with them. And then at the end of the movie, it's it's crushing and amazing. Yeah. Yeah, there, so there definitely could have been some improvements I in think that so. area. I think so. I, I don't know how we got this far, but I I will just add this in, that this is inspired by a real murder. Okay, you were mentioning yeah. Richard Rosenthal, is that right? Yeah, Richard Earlier. Rosenthal, uh, in 1995, financial analyst Richard Rosenthal, he stabbed his wife... And beat her to death with a rock. Jesus. Because she complained about overcooked ziti pasta. Okay. Hang on just a second, though. I am a stickler uh-huh. about some overcooked pasta. That That is something to be offended about. I don't know to yeah. that length. I well, don't no, know to no, that no, 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 no. He was the one who was cooking the pasta. Oh, uh, well. So she did not like that he overcooked oh, the pasta. Oh, no. So, uh, she was in the right. Okay. She was so, absolutely right, in the right. Yeah. yeah. Man, listen to this. My mother-in-law. Oh, no. <laughs> she overcooked the Gabby, pasta. love you to death. Any, any pasta, seven yeah. minutes. Oh, no. That's not any how that works. Them. That's not how that works. No. Now, here's... You here's, can lead to crimes of pasta that way. <laughs> which, you know... Which, Richard Rosenthal proves. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah, you got to be careful when you when you overcook it to pasta. Yeah. All right, so here's here's the gruesome details. He he beat her face with rock until it was unrecognizable. Yikes. Disemboweled her and then put a stake through her heart and lungs. That is getting carried away, Steve. Okay, so his attorneys and two 
psychologists or psychiatrists um, argued that he had dissociative identity disorder. Okay. Uh, and the state of Massachusetts said, that's bullshit. Go Pats. Go to jail. <laughs> Go get your Charlie con. Yeah. Uh-huh. Ba, ba, ba. Uh-huh. That's what they said. <laughs> so they sent, they sent him to jail. So he's in jail. Anyway. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's good that he's somewhere. But if he does have dissociative identity disorder. He needs a help. He needs help. Yeah. Anyway, so you can see though from that description, I mean the pasta, the 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 killing of the wife oh, yeah, over such wife a small was, like, thing. Oh yeah, cooking spaghetti that night or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the, the these small things sort of distilled into the main crime of this story, but then there's also the sort of uh, built up lore around. Danvers Mental Institution that also then adds into it. And then, yeah, it's it's Brad Anderson and uh, Stephen Gavedon. Gavedon? The guy who played Mike. Yeah, was, Mike was called. the co-writer. Oh, so they, okay. They, they definitely put together some interesting sort of Massachusetts area. I mean, the, the noodle lore. thing is not a coincidence. No, yeah, there's Absolutely no way that's not. a coincidence, no. no. Well, it, yeah, so th- this is... I think a well-constructed movie, and despite you know the the issues with the ending, maybe I I think it it needs to be watched. It's it's maybe yeah. criminally underrated. I I don't hear a lot of people talk about it. I tend to agree. I mean, it's yeah. like is this in my top ten favorite? No, oh, not, no. not really. No. But no. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like going into this movie completely blind, yeah, not knowing a thing about it, yeah. And again, you know, this is from that early. I mean. 2000 early 2000s. Yeah, it's not a time with great horror movies. And it's certainly not a time with timeless horror movies. Right. I mean, horror movies in that time period are infested yeah. with the fucking most horrible yeah. CGI. Pop, pop stars as actors, pop terrible stars as actors, CGI. Terrible fashion. Or torture porn. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just a lot of fucking trash that is extremely dated. Yeah. I really feel like this movie could have come out a year or two ago. It could have. Yeah. Kate said, based on the trailer, she thought the movie was from like the late seventies. Oh uh, yeah, I could also see it that. It could work there yeah. again, minus the cell phones and the disc. Right. It yeah. could kind of work there too. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I really appreciate the fact that this movie does have a very timeless feel and mm-hmm. look and soundtrack about it. Yeah. Uh, and like I said, the whole time I I never felt like I was in the hands of somebody that didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. Yeah. There are no like. Real bad, stupid shots or terrible cuts or anything where it's just like, oh, like, come on. Yeah. Everything just flows perfectly together. So you're just really immersed in the story. Total sausage party, this movie. Like, yes. only the voice yeah. of a woman and I guess his, his, the visions of his wife in the yeah. movie. But I don't, I don't think there's any like on screen women with speaking roles in this flick. Mary, but she's not, she's not on, on screen. screen. Yeah. Well, yeah. All we see is a picture. So, yeah, yeah that's, yeah. Total bro dude fest. Total bro dude fest. Total asbestos fest. I th- I mean I think you know there there can be stories that are uh, predominantly men or predominantly women or even all men or all women. When, yeah, totally. When especially when they're critiquing because I, I I think this is critiquing the level of communication and stuff of this all male crew. I think so too. And like maybe, it's maybe not, it's of, saying like like their attitudes towards each other are kind yeah. of 
the problem. Well, and maybe even the attitude towards men and men, mental illness. Yeah, you exactly. Know, where it's like yeah. they don't go to each other for yeah. help. They all just, like you said, faction off. Yeah. And everybody fucks off and does their own thing and pursues yeah. their own mental illness. So in not some passing way. the Bechdel test is still. It's kind of like, well, yeah. I mean, in a movie like this, it's kind of the point. Like it's it's about how these men don't communicate and how like communication is. Uh, an issue for them if if there are two people in here who are communicating well it's gonna kind of undercut the 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 whole message of the the thing yeah yeah but uh yeah you're right there there's only the one lady and she gets killed and, and so they that's know, they not know black great. people in this at all it's no all white people. yeah all white people yeah that's true you know so i don't know i mean if you want to nitpick on stuff like that yeah it's it's there, I guess. It's but yeah. There's stuff to there's nits to pick. I enjoy, sure. I enjoyed the movie. Like after the end of it, I did kind of feel like there were threads that were set up that yeah. didn't really pay off. Yeah, you know, I mean, where like I said, it's I like, think it's more could have so came well of the tapes. Yeah, same. You know, for sure. Yep. And it's just because the movie is so well made. It's like it just seems like everything is made with an intent to tell you something or show you something. Yeah. So and you then at the end, it's it like, pay oh, off. yeah, never mind. Yeah. You know, so the the ending is definitely the weak part, but I really enjoyed the journey and I, I do want to watch it again. Again, maybe maybe I would talk even highly uh even much more highlier. Yeah. Those are words. If if he watched the second time. If I watched the second I time. I think yeah. possibly, yeah, cuz I I did I did find I, everything sort of clicked more for me that second time through. You know, one thing I did want to ask you about here before we get on to to rating the thing and stuff too. You mentioned that whole like Think about how some people are in the institution for mortified pride. Oh yeah, yeah. I to talk that, about okay, that real quick. okay. I didn't know that what was the just fuck like they meant. A, okay, that was an immediate question in my mind. What does mortified pride mean? Because they don't explain it at all. No, like, they, they really don't, leave that but for I you thought to figure it was out. So funny. I looked it up when I when I found the answer. I was like, oh, that's that's really interesting. So, uh, mortified mortification is humiliation or shame. So, okay. Mortified pride. This is according to a dictionary of practical medicine, volume two from 1858. Wow. Okay. Old timey. Yeah. So (laughs) the passion for notoriety too frequently entertained by silly or weak persons when suddenly or rudely humbled is often followed by a state of extreme mental collapse or depression which sometimes terminates itself in suicide. So, so basically everybody that lives on Instagram and social media suffers from mortified pride. Well, one might <laughs> think well, they might experience it, but this this was very much that um because it it, it gave some some examples of when this might happen and <laughs> One of them was, okay, failure of attempts at becoming conspicuous at public meetings, meaning being noticed. Okay, all right. In the Senate or at the bar. And in this case, the bar would mean uh, in a legal practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not getting a pull. Or even upon the boards of a theater. So, yeah, this is about people who are trying to get into the public eye and, and fail at it. And then this is apparently the diagnosis they had in the 19th century was mortified pride. So if you were listening, you were watching the the movie and you were like, what the fuck is mortified pride? That's what it is. 
and so to the to the water baths or the electroshock with you. Uh, they wouldn't have done that back then. Eighteen fifty-eight. I don't know. They, I mean, Maybe if it was a woman, flogging. they would have been using. Uh, well, they didn't have vibrators yet. They would have been manually masturbating her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I if it was, it was a man, a they usually gave him stimulants. I think. I think they gave him either triangular weights to lift <laughs> or hop, 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 hop. a pickle barrel with suspenders to wear. I think For that was the treatment purposes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Go wear this pickle barrel in public, rapscallion. And lift these triangular weights. And once you've bust out of the barrel, you're cured. <laughs> it's a it's a pretty cool flick, Steve. Yeah, like, it again, is interesting. It, cool. Is it perfect? No, but is it going to take all day? No. no, it's pretty quick, and it's streaming on Shutter. So if you have Shutter, it's well worth a watch. Might as well I think. do it, man. Where where are you gonna rate this thing, Steve? Okay, um, I think you know it's it's such a a a, a nicely made picture that looks so good yeah. that you know sometimes the acting maybe seems a little over the top but i really do think from my experience of working with construction crews that these guys act the way those guys tend to act fair enough and a lot of times they they're very over the top personalities and that kind of works for me with this so when i'm watching this i i think everything sort of comes together now there are some issues with the ending for me and i think it could have I think it could have developed in a more natural way there at the end where I kind of would have preferred to, instead of seeing it from Gordon's perspective, to see it from the other perspective. For Gordon to be, like, acting strangely and everyone to see this strange action. But I don't know that I would change too much about this. Yeah. Even though that might be interesting to see. So for me... I'm going to say this is like an eight. Yeah? Yeah. Eight. Yeah. I don't think that's unreasonable. No. I mean, it is uh, just undoubtedly gorgeous. Yeah. It is a really great looking movie. And that's the first thing about it that really struck me is just how fucking fantastic the movie looks. Yeah. Especially, again, considering 2001 digital. Seriously. Yeah. Holy shit. Like, think about to the way that, you know, fucking... Our, our cell phones took digital pictures or just digital cameras I remember in digital cameras from 2001. Yeah, they Fucking were not horrible. that level. Absolutely yeah. horrible. So I think that this thing is really... Pretty fucking impressive, yeah. especially considering the time that it was made and the budget it was made for. It was made for nothing. And like yeah. you said, it's like there weren't really sets. They just used a location that was already there. Yeah. Uh, I think that that's pretty cool. I think that, yeah, some of the acting does get a little bit over the top at times. Yeah. You know, even, even that scene where... Um, um, when they're on the staircase and he says "fuck you," because oh, that one's one of my favorites. Yeah, fuck you. That's, that's way over that's the top. That's a hard "fuck yeah. you" right there, man. <laughs> uh, and even when Mike is like kind of like explaining how they did l- the lobotomy and stuff, it's just yeah, like this is that is way over intense. the top. Yeah, yeah. It seems. Some, somebody in there would be like, yeah. "Yo, we're on lunch break. Like, quit being a fucking weirdo." Uh huh. You know, yeah. Some of that does get a little bit over the top. And like I said, ending first watch, little messy. May, maybe if I watched the second time, I would feel differently about it. But first time mm. through, I was like, oh, it's just kind of... Yeah. Yeah, it just kind of went with the most basic route that it could. Right. It seems like it set up this great, like, who could it be? Yeah. Surely it's not the one that you think is crazy. No, no, it is. Nah, it's, it's definitely definitely him. him yeah. You know? I feel like that could have been turned around a little bit. Maybe there's something cool that I missed in there that I just didn't pick yeah. up on. I don't know. Um, But 
I would watch it again. I look forward to watching it again. Yeah. I think I'm going to go a little bit lower than you, though. Go for it. I think that this is probably more about like a, let's say like six and a half, seven. There something you like, go. Something like that. All right. Definitely above average. Yeah. But nothing like completely earth shattering. I think I think as I, I, I saw it a long time ago, I was more impressed with it. Yeah. And in comparison to movies that I would say it's on par with, like in the same realm of it's not as good as them. But I think I'm giving it like some some real some credit for being early on. What a front that. runner! Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, again, it's like yeah, movies like Black Coast Daughter and stuff are better. Yeah, uh, the for the, sure the mechanic is better. They also had a lot of time to practice. Yes, they a did a lot of time uh-huh. to practice. So yeah, there there is that. So a fun watch. Definitely check it out, especially if you like the psychological dark thriller kind yeah. of thing. I think that you guys. Yeah, if you like a flick. slow burn. If you oh, if you like stuff about insane asylums, I know like I really generally if something's about an insane asylum, I'll watch it. Yeah, because I I don't know like it's it's a dark point of reality mm-hmm. in human history. Oh yeah, the way we and still do treat people who are considered mentally ill. Right. So it's it's always interesting to me and most. Things about insane asylums are horror movies. <laughs> it's yeah. it's rare that there's a rom com about an insane asylum. <laughs> there should be more though. Maybe there should be. Yeah, you might be onto something right there. Uh, I don't think that if you like, you know, love modern horror flicks with tons of fucking jump scares and torture and shit like that, like, yeah, you probably won't like this. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, people people like all sorts of stuff. Maybe you like all that stuff and you like this. Could be Maybe. only one way to find out. Check her out. Give it a watch on Shutter right now, yeah. Now, next week on the show... We're doing Ravenous. Yeah! Yeah. That's right. I totally couldn't remember. I was hoping that you jump in right there because I was like, I don't know what we're doing on the show next week. Yeah, so uh, we picked two seasonal suggestions from the Patreon submissions, and I believe it was Justin Marion who submitted Ravenous. Yeah, boy. And Ravenous is... I think perfect for the winter because it's set in snowy conditions and you haven't seen it. I've not seen it. I don't so know it's, anything it, about it. Yeah. It's, and I'm going to keep it that I, way. Yeah. And I'm not going to say anything about it. I'm so excited to watch it. I have a couple of, um, a, f- a couple of friends that are just nuts yeah. about this movie. So it seems to be one of those ones that is kind of a, kind of a hidden jewel, but if you like it, you love it. Yeah. You want some more of it. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I, I love, love it. it. I want some more of it. (laughs) So hopefully I will want me some more of this movie whenever we watch it next week. So be sure to tune in then. In the meantime, please be sure to rate and review on iTunes. I've not seen nearly enough reviews popping up lately. Where are the reviews at? It's barely a trickle. Give me a review. even a trickle, man. We're getting trickle-down reviews. What you got in your pockets? Is them reviews? Dump them out. Dump them. Y'all got any more of them reviews? Hey. Hey. Hey, baby. Maybe you got some more of them reviews for me. Yeah, please be sure to go in there, rate and review on iTunes. Helps a ton. I'm gonna come up with some kind of fun incentive to make people go and yeah. review the show. Like when you do maybe like, we got stuff to give away. Yeah, like maybe you we know give what away we should do something. is like yeah, like after we get those like koozies and stuff going. Yeah, oh we're so close to that. Guys, yeah. by the way, we're almost at our two hundred and fifty dollar goal. Patreon goal, yeah. Yeah, for our for our first round of, of uh Fucking like awesome. koozies and, and, and you know, we're thinking stickers, maybe patches, not sure. Let us know what you want. Yeah. But we're so close. We only need like 
10 more bucks. So head over to patreon.com forward slash dead and lovely and become a patron so we can get some more uh, less expensive uh, merchandise for those who don't want to spend 20 bucks on a shirt. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So yeah, we'll be getting that stuff going on. And then yeah, maybe we do like a monthly, the best review of the month gets a fucking koozie or whatever. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. So yeah, you guys be sure to go in there, rate and view on iTunes, follow us on social media and shit. Yeah. At Dead Lovely Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Boom. Dead and Lovely. Um, the Facebook. Okay, I I know how to find the Facebook group now. Yeah. It's just Facebook.com forward slash Dead and Lovely. Well, that fucking works, doesn't it? Boom. That really works pretty yeah. well. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Email us at Dead and Lovely Pod at gmail.com. If you want to buy a shirt, we got shirts available. Uh, small through triple XL. Yeah, yeah. Uh, small through XL are twenty five. X double XL through triple XL are twenty eight. Email us at deadandlovelypod at gmail with your order. I'll send you back a price with shipping, and then you send us that money on PayPal dot me forward slash deadandlovely. Yeah, and I send you out shirts. That's right. That's how it works. Pretty easy going situation. Yeah. Makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Well, you guys have been absolutely fantastic. It's been fun chatting about one of the movies that you guys picked us out for to do. Picked us out for to do. That's what you said. In other words. <laughs> you picked us out for to do. You know do. what I fucking meant. Uh-huh. You know damn well what I mean. <laughs> you know damn well which war. <laughs> it's been a fun show. We'll see you guys next time. Uh, Steve, hope you have yourself a good and happy Thanksgiving. You too. Thank you very much, Have man. one. Yeah. And we'll catch you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Uh, 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 uh. We're gonna cast a pot. Hey. We're gonna cast a pot. Ho, ho. Pod gonna get casted. Today. Losers can't be lasted. Uh, uh. Uh, religious people, they be fasting. Yeah. Or intermittent fasting. Not really. Yeah, probably, mm-hmm. maybe. Like, yeah. the thing is, like, noon, noon to. All right, wait. It's like sun up to sundown, right? That's, That's what idea. fasting is, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, Mormons do it. I think their their rule is two consecutive meals, which I think is uh, meant to be like you don't eat breakfast, uh, you don't eat lunch, and then I think you can eat dinner. That's the deal? I don't know. This belonged in the Twilight episode. Oh, shit. Yeah. Sorry. Wrong cast. <laughs> the Twilight episode needed some padding, too. <laughs> it wasn't long enough. More of that. <laughs>